Today's Transmissions podcast is brought to you by 80stees.com. 80stees.com has an incredible selection of Transformers shirts and hoodies, including some amazing Transformers costume hoodies. Transform into Grimlock, Megatron, or even Optimus Prime with the 80stees.com costume hoodies. Hello all sentient beings and welcome to the Transmissions Podcast where we talk about all news, toys, and comic books related to the On this episode of Transmissions, we welcome third-party toy designer Christian Brock of Wulong Toys. We'll talk about the newly announced Masterpiece Sunstorm figure and we'll review Marvel Comics Transformers Issue 21, Aerial Bots Over America. We have all of this and so very much more on this episode of Transmissions. Welcome to Transmissions, the podcast that warms you up with Energon on a cold winter's night. I'm your host, Charles, a.k.a. Big C, and I'm joined by the excellent Transmissions team. Yusuf, better known as Yoshi. Yo! Jeremy, a.k.a. Yakko. Hello! And Daryl, the Cybertronian Beast. Hey, everybody, how's it going? Let's talk Transformers. All right, and today we have a special guest, so Daryl, uh, why don't you introduce him? Yeah, our guest today uh, kind of burst onto the scene with his Creo-style minibot designs, and is most notably uh, known for his design on his Minimus Ambus figure and Magnus armor that you can simply order from Shapeways. We here at Transmissions are very excited uh, about the future of 3D printing, and our guest is one of the people leading the way with his kick-ass Transformers designs. I'm very pleased to welcome Christian Brock, a.k.a. Wulong T, to the show. Ba-weep, burn-a-weep, (laughs) mini-bong. Awesome. (laughs) Well done. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right. So, first off, who are you? What do you do? do? Okay. Um, Who is Christian Brock? Well... I'm a huge dork, to, to put it, you know, bluntly. Um, I, I'm You're among family. Of, yes, yes, very much so. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of consider myself like the, the, like almost like a metrosexual of nerds. You know, like I'm, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to go, you know, like I've done LARP, but I'm not the one that, you know, does lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have been known to dress up as a Jedi before and go to theaters. Okay. So, um, I am a little bit of everything. Um, you know, I've been into dorky, nerdy things for as long as I can remember. Um, uh, certainly far before they became cool, which I guess. What's your favorite <laughs> role playing game? I have to ask. <laughs> um, I haven't played any in a long time, but my favorite one to play, uh, I guess back in the nineties was, um, Rifts. Oh, okay. All right. Just because I, I absolutely love the concept of taking all of these like fantasy elements of like you know you had your orcs, your elves, your all those kind of things, but they were in like the cyberpunk sort of a scenario. Yeah, huh? I just love the, the mixing of the genres. Cool. Yeah, I was a Magic the Gathering fan myself. Ah, uh, okay. I didn't stray too far from the mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> so outside of you know. Your, your shapeways and transformers, you know, what do you do? Okay. Well, um, professionally, I am a web developer by trade. Um, you know, I program websites for a, uh, Fortune 500 company. Okay. Cool. Which is cool because we never have to go looking for clients. It's always working on the same sites all the time, which, mm-hmm. you know, has its pros and its cons. Sure. Um, I, I pretty much spend, you know, eight to 10 hours a day on my arse looking at code. <laughs> 
And then um, on the, uh, I have a, a really long commute, so and m- much of it is spent on the train. So I got myself a really nice laptop, and now on the train, I work on my my 3D design stuff. Nice. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. That. So how does an how does a, a web designer get into the what we've kind of you know come to think of as, as more of an engineering type of field? I, I guess I kind of like backdoored my way into it, so to speak. Um, I have no you know engineering you know training whatsoever. Um, in fact, I have no college whatsoever. Ah, good news for me. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> it's all a matter of being in the right place at the right time, and uh, you know, teaching yourself the right skills. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the uh, I've, I've pretty much loved making toys for as long as I, I can remember. Really, um, in fact, I can remember having—I uh, don't know—I must have been in like third or fourth grade or something—and I made these little action figures, if you will, out of construction paper. I mean, they were completely two-dimensional and flat, sure. but I was making every single character in every single comic that I was coming across. That's cool. You know, I had like hundreds of, of these little guys, you know, from very obscure characters to, you know, the major ones. Um, and then as I got older, you know, I just started, you know, getting more and more crafty. Um, I've always been an artist, you know, drawing stuff. Um, I would start taking apart G.I. Joes and mixing and matching their parts to make New characters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I once made a, a Kaneda from uh, from Akira. Ooh. Um, you know, GI Joe figure out of him. Um, taking uh, you know little miniatures that I would get, you know, from either you know gumball machines or whatever, and painting them up really detailed. Um, so I, I've always had a love for doing that kind of stuff. Obviously, it where we're at, unless you have the right kind of training and you know the right kind of people and work for the right kind of uh, employers. There's no way that you can make toys. Right. Um, or at least not until, you know, 3D printing came on the scene. Uh, mm-hmm. for the masses. And so really that, that's, I've loved to make toys. And so I was only making them for myself because they were all handmade each time. There's no way that I'd share any of them. Yeah. Uh, until I started getting into paper craft. Um, with, cause I started discovering all of these different really, really awesome paper craft models, um, by some very talented artists. And, uh, I found that, okay, I can do this. You know, I can kind of, you know, engineer, if you will, you know, these different paper craft models. And then I can put them up on a website and then they're available for whoever wants them. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like my first steps into toy design. You know, coming up with, I mean, granted, they're not going to be, you know, the kind of stuff that you'd want to buy from, you know, Walmart or whatever. But it is still being able to take ideas, create them into a three-dimensional form, and be able to give them to whoever wants them. Mm-hmm. And so then the evolution from there is then like, okay, I've really got to teach myself 3D, 3D modeling because I feel like I'm handicapped without it. Because so far, all of my, my paper craft stuff has all been two dimensional, you know, no, no 3D involved whatsoever. It was just all, you know, figuring out the geometry for stuff, you know, and, uh, and drawing them out in two dimensional templates. Yeah. yeah. And so then once I start teaching myself 3D, um, the main, the real catalyst for that actually was, uh, was, was fake buster. I don't know if you, if you're familiar with his work or not. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. And, yeah. And he was just starting, getting started on this scene, um, with his shapeway stuff. And I saw it. I was like, that is fantastic. That is what I want to do. Um, I ordered a couple of his right off the, you know, as soon as I saw them, um, like he has like a little, uh, his thugger, uh, which is like a, a little, you know, rewind or not rewind. Um, uh, rent frenzy or rumble. Yeah. And, uh, he's also got a little, 
uh, Ravage. Those are the ones that fit inside the Cybertronian yeah. Soundwave, right? Yeah. That's a, yeah. And so I, I ordered those, and I was like, these are great. Mm-hmm. You know, I was absolutely amazed at the amount of, of detail and, uh, you know, engineering and stuff that he was able to get into these tiny little packages. Um, so I was like, okay, I've got to teach myself 3D. I've got to be able to do this. You know, it's the, the next step. And so I started looking around for all different, um, you know, 3D programs. You know, okay, what's going to be the easiest for me to get into? What's the most intuitive? And um, I started getting started with SketchUp, actually. So I found that that had the lowest um, bar of entry for me. Um, I know a lot of people, especially those that are into, like, 3D design, look down on it. But I don't know. It works for me. Um, so far, everything that you see in my in my Shapeway shop has been designed in SketchUp. And it's SketchUp? Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, it used to belong to Google. Um, they, it's been bought out since then. But it's a, a completely free program. Cool. Um, any, anybody can get it. And there is an absolute ton of uh, <clears throat> like videos and tutorials out there to help you get started on it. Wicked. So it's really easy to, to get set up with it. And it allows you to do very precise things, you know, to you know, X number of, you know, percentages of a millimeter. So you can be very precise with it as well, which is very useful if you're going to be doing, you know, design work. Well, that's good to know. I actually have a a question coming up about something like that. You may have already answered that. So that's good. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Um, So outside of Transformers, you know, what do you like to do when you're not designing your own toys or, you know, working for a Fortune 500 company? (laughs) Yeah, um... Time is very, very limited for me. Um, like I said before, I have a very long commute. So, right. um, and then I've also got a young family. I've got a, a five-year-old and a 16-year-old. Um, oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. So when I get home, you know, it's like, as soon as I get home, it's time for dinner. Then it's time for, you know, getting people ready for bed. And then like, okay, I've got like an hour to myself and then I've got to hurry up and get to bed before I, you know, cause I get up early in the morning. Sure. And, um, so typically, you know, that hour to myself is spent either working on uh, freelance work, um, more web dev stuff, yeah. uh, working on, you know, my Wulong Toys stuff, uh, working on 3D commissions, um, you know, different things that people have, have ordered or you know, would like to make for them. Sure. Um, or it's, uh, you know, watching a, a small handful of shows. Okay, cool. So, yeah, and I guess you, you don't have a lot of time at all, eh? Not really. Um you know, so I, I guess when, when I do have the time to spend, it's, you know, I like watching like movies and shows that have some combination of, you know, superpowers, kung fu and giant robots. Right. Um, the more <laughs> of those in the show, the better. Um, and then I also collect, uh, like GI Joes, um, like some Lego mainly, like I used to collect the Bionicle stuff and the, mm-hmm. the Hero Factory stuff. Um, I also collect some of the Halo Mega Blocks and now some of the Call of Duty stuff. Um, and then I've got a ridiculously large digital collection of uh, different mecha paper crafts. <laughs> <laughs> but I never have the time to actually work on them. So I just keep collecting them. I, I think I'm probably up to like six gigs worth of paper craft templates now. <laughs> yeah, well, I looked on your, your website and uh, it it's lacking a, uh, an update or in need of an update. It's, it's, it, it, hasn't, it hasn't been updated in a, <laughs> about six months or so. Um, but, yeah. uh, that's definitely where you've got a lot of your papercraft stuff. And, and would you say that if, you know, people wanted to check out your papercraft stuff, that's where they, they'd go? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I tend to separate things. Um, like since I was first getting started with the papercraft, that's when I had set up my blog, uh, you know, wulongt.com slash blog. And 
So that's where a lot of the links coming into that site are papercraft related. And okay. so I, I, when I started getting into the Shapeway stuff, like I started trying to, you know, I, I might make an update or two about it. And I was like, nah, I should probably leave this for the papercraft stuff. But I just don't have the time to do the papercraft stuff anymore. So unfortunately, it's collecting dust. Yeah. Have you gotten into origami at all with uh, your with getting into papercraft? I I cut my teeth on origami actually. You know, okay. Uh, yeah, like when I was in you know elementary school, I would you know find every different origami book that was like in the school library or in the you know the town library, and I would like spend the summers just going through the book, you know, putting together every model that I I found. That's cool because that's something I I'd done when I was a kid too. Is like. Uh, you know, folding all, it was just amazing to me how you could turn, a, you know, a square piece of paper into such amazing shapes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For, for me, it was, you know, yet another example of being able to, you know, fabricate your own three dimensional object. Right. You know, in, in one form or another. Um, in fact, it's kind of funny. Um, several years ago, uh, we were going to this one church and I made it a point to make a different origami model out of a dollar bill every single week. And I would put that into the collection plate. And, oh, that's uh, cool. <laughs> and I, I never knew what happened to it. So I don't know if they unfolded it and just, you know, deposited it or if somebody like was collecting them on a mantle somewhere or what. But I always thought it was kind of funny, you know, just imagining what their face would be like as, it, you know, going through counting all of those like, ah, damn, we got another, you know, origami crab here. <laughs> and some of them would take, you know, like hours to put together. And so I can only imagine how long it would take to try to separate that out or try to unfold it. <laughs> I, I learned how to make origami cranes to pick up girls. <laughs> <laughs> it, it impressed a lot of them, I have to say. Oh, yeah, especially when you can use the, um, oh, what are those candies called? They come in the gold foil. Um, I don't know if you guys have them in Canada or not. Were, were there's originals or, that, or something No, else? no, no. They're, it's like a gold foil. It's like a sphere. It's got... Um, the uh, like the hazelnut and chocolate and like crushed almonds and stuff. Um, oh, you, oh, the uh, Ferrero Rochers. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Like I, I would love taking those and like making little cranes out of that. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that was a, a crowd pleaser. Yeah. For any any young fella out there who's listening, you want to learn how to pick up a chick, learn how to make a paper crane. Absolutely. <laughs> Chicks dig paper cranes. Um. So and, and if you want to impress uh, a waitress. <laughs> Learn how to hold the dollar bill into like an armadillo or something. <laughs> oh, waitresses are easy. Just give them twenty dollar bills. They, they, <laughs> you don't even have to fold it. No, but if you do, it goes. You know, it takes you that one step farther. You're like, oh my god, it's so cute. Look at it. That's true. <laughs> um, so where did they you make it out of a fiver? And you know, like his name's Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you uh, come up with the name Wulong Tea or Wulong Toys? Where did you come up with that? Ah. Uh... Well, for that, I need to take you back to a time long gone. Uh. The year was 1995. <laughs> uh, a bunch of friends and I um, would do these halftime skits um, at one of the East Coast anime conventions um, that were like parodies of like kung fu movie tropes. Yeah. You know, and we even had like pre-recorded dialogue, so all of our you know lip sync sequences were out of you know lip movements were out of sequence. Yeah. Um, and all of the characters had names that were vaguely Asian sounding, but totally not Asian in any way. <laughs> um, you know, for example, my my character's name was Changling Fens, <laughs> <laughs> and so when um, that was like back in '95. So when I started getting active on the internet, I kind of wanted to continue that tradition, and I came up with Wulong Tea 
on account of it sounding kind of Chinese, but actually being a play, play off of a oolong tea, which is the tea you get in Chinese restaurants. Ah. And uh, because it's like never taken, that's been my internet pseudonym ever since. Well done. Yeah, I know. I had to ask that because I just, I, I didn't get it. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how long would you say you've been a Transformers fan? Ah, uh, well, I'm 37 now. And uh, <laughs> so when when they came out 30 years ago, I was at exactly the right age for their demographic. Yeah, you were right in the wheelhouse, weren't you? Absolutely. So, um, like, I, I remember my getting my first Transformer for uh, my birthday, and it was Inferno. And nice. uh, I just thought that he was, like, the greatest thing ever. <laughs> uh, and, uh, like, my best friend at the time was actually, like, the youngest child by 10 years and the only boy. And so he managed to get, like, all of them that came out. Nice. And I can't tell you how jealous I was of it. And I yeah. think he has them all, actually, but isn't interested in Transformers at all anymore. No, so, no. Yeah. Yeah, we all uh, have friends like that, I think. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I would get, like, a Transformer for my birthday and one for Christmas. But, you know, pretty much for the rest of the year, it was mainly GoBots. <laughs> that, that's what I could afford on my allowance. <laughs> yeah, they were cheaper. Yep. So it was the toys that got you into Transformers first, or would you oh, say the show kind of? Uh, hmm. That's a good question. I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, cause I know that like as soon as I would come home from school, it was Transformers, G.I. Joe, um, Thundercats, Robotech, Voltron, uh, Transor Z. You know, it was like all of these. It's the hour of power. Absolutely. Man. <laughs> and, uh, like at that, that time, I guess in our history, you know, young boys were getting bombarded with shows of giant robots. Oh yeah. And it was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I, I, I think I remember seeing the show first, but it, it's hard to tell. Um, but as far as the toys go, what, what really sold me on them was the fact that they were, uh, puzzles. Yes. And that's how I, I saw them was with spatial puzzles. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, the, the whole joy of it wasn't necessarily the fact that it turned into a robot because they had, you know, ridiculously limited articulation. Um, so I, you couldn't really play with them a whole lot in robot mode as far as I was concerned, at least not compared to like my GI Joes. Right. You know, cause you know, my GI Joes knew like all kinds of Kung Fu, you know, <laughs> of course, uh, the robots, not so much, you know, and I was never one for really playing with the vehicles, but man, I love just changing them back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Um, in fact, my, my parents were often amazed, you know, like, like, you know, they would give me a brand new one and like, I'd have it solved within like, you know, five seconds. You know? Yeah. So, so did you ever get into the uh, the comics, those early 80s comics? I did, but not until later. Um, not not when they were originally coming out. I, I think I probably got into them like, uh, probably around, it, it was after the movie. Okay. Um, I don't remember what artist was on it. I do remember when Wildman started his run and not liking it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I really liked his work when he was doing G.I. Joe, but I didn't like him drawing robots. Because he made uh -huh. them look too human. Yeah, some people don't don't like it. Yeah, in, in particular, the hands bugged the hell out of me. <laughs> like they were wearing silver gloves. Yeah, but yeah, so I, I did collect the, the Transformer comics back then. Right on. So now, before you started doing the uh, the Shapeways things, uh, what uh, to what extent did you participate in the fandom? Um, well, I've, I've had member accounts of most of the major fan sites, and you know, kept my ear to the ground for for years now for any and all Transformers related news. But I really wasn't that active in the fandom before. Uh, right. Even now, most of my activity is limited to the customs forums. Mm -hmm. um, I would do some papercraft stuff, you know, like I said before. And 
Um, I was actually starting to make a name for myself in that area, you know, making my designs free to download for whoever wanted them. But, um, and, and, you know, if, if you've seen my site, most of the stuff is Transformers related there too. So, mm-hmm. um, but really it was the Shapeway stuff that kind of launched me into the fandom and made me much more, I guess, active. Okay. You were just kind of an observer before. Yes. Yes. Right on. All right. So checking out your Shapeway site. So we've gone from the beginning, from what got you into it. We're up to Shapeways now. Looking at the Shapeways site, uh, you can definitely see that that you are uh, a Creo uh, aficionado. You you like the the Creo style. What made you decide to to start making uh, your own figures um, in the style of uh, the Creo crayons? Well, it, it's funny you should say that because I'm I'm not super into the crayons. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> my, my work so far has been an evolution of sorts. So. I started out with Shapeway stuff with a Creon upgrade kit that extended the limbs of the Creon to give them forearms, knees, shins, ankles, feet, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, that was my very first uh, Shapeway's design. And it was more of like a, an experiment. Well, let me see what I can do. Um, because, you know, again, these little guys, I, I love articulation, and these did not have it. <laughs> right. Um, so, like I said, I've always had this patch for articulation. So I took this, a given character, extended it into something. Uh, the idea being that it could build up onto and, and work with the brick stuff, you know, to help people make their own custom characters to make the figure look more like a specific character that they wanted. Um, and once that set was out in the wild, I started getting feedback. And that feedback um, told me that, you know, custom was cool, but people didn't want custom. You know, what they want are specific characters. Right. So they don't want to have like a blank canvas and, you know, be able to make, you know, Jetfire or make, you know, whoever Optimus, yes. you know, and there are people that do that, but the vast majority of the people, they want, okay, this is the character. Oh, okay, good. Now I can just take it from my shelf. Yes. And um, <laughs> so... We're, we're lazy. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it was suggested to me to actually make a larger kit um, for Omega Supreme. So I did. I, you know, did a more robust um, extension, you know, again, building up on top of the original Creon, um, making it even taller, bigger, wider, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and shortly after that, the, and, and it was, you know, very popular. Um, I was amazed at how many of those Omega Supreme sets sold. Um, and I attribute that mainly to the fact that it was a specific character, you know, rather than being something custom that they could, you know, blank canvas that they can make anything they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, it was shortly after that, that the Creon combiners were shown off, like at, I think, Toy Fair. Yes. And. I saw the need to give them proper helmets because it annoyed the hell out of me that they had, you know, the same yeah. helmets as everybody else and they didn't look right. Um, it also really annoyed me that they were using Creon legs as hands. <laughs> yeah. And so I, you know, I designed, you know, G1 specific helmets for them. I designed, um, articulated hands that had, you know, five fingers with, you know, articulated knuckle joints and wrist articulation. Um, although, and I, you know, pre-ordered the combiners and once they came, and I was, well, to put it lightly, I was disappointed. <laughs> um, because, you know, it's, it's always the, the connection points for the Creons that they're, the, where they fail. Right. You know, they have a, a cute aesthetic to them. People like the way that they look. People collect them because they like, you know, the simplistic Lego-like, you know, attributes of them. Yes. But if you've ever tried to actually play with or even pose one of those combiners, you know, it's like a landmine. Oh, know? yeah. You know, it's, it's only a matter of time before you twist something just slightly the wrong way and an arm goes flying off. Yeah, I have that whole first wave of the combiners. Yeah, yeah, so do I. And I never bothered getting any of the, the further ones. Yeah. yeah. 
just because I was, I was disappointed with them. And so, um, well, moving along, I, I got several commit, I've gotten several commissions to do more Creon related upgrades, you know, for this character, that character, um, including a, a big set that was for the fall of Cybertron Bruticus. Yeah. Um, so it was basically, you know, one, you know, little Creon torso and legs and the rest was all shapeway stuff to make, you know, this giant Bruticus. But again, the, the weak part of it is, of the final finger, is always the Creon parts. Their, their attachment points are just so loose. Um, and, uh, so I've, I've taken stabs at making my own minifigures before. Um, and I called them the action formers because, you know, action masters is kind of copyrighted. Um, yeah, just a bit. Just a little bit. Um, but I, I never got them to the point where I was happy releasing them to the public because with, with Shapeways, the tolerances can just be all over the place. Um, and so I was never really happy with how the joints were, so I never released them uh, publicly, uh, with the exception of uh, what I call DX, short for deluxe-sized right. action form of disposal. Um, and he ends up, he's the only one I've released publicly, and he is sized to be uh, pretty much in scale with your deluxe-sized transformers. Oh, really? He's that big? Yeah. Yeah, okay. he's about three and three-quarter to four inches tall. Very good. So, so he, he stands, like, yeah, he looks really great next to your your Cyclonus figure. Does he or, transform? He does not. You know, oh, he okay. he is you know strictly just just an action figure. You know, he doesn't transform. He's got some some great articulation to him, um, but he and he has light piping that he does not not transform. Okay. Now, uh, which is kind of true to the comic. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, haven't seen a, an alt mode for him since the very start. Yeah, we got half an alt mode. That's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. I decided to take the basic ideas from Creons and improve upon them. Um, so I gave them longer limbs with increased articulation. Um, you know, they now have elbow joints, wrist joints, uh, knees, ankles. Um, I also replaced all of the peg joints, like the neck and the waist, with snap fit ball joints. Okay. And this gives me a much stronger figure. Um, you know, it's not going to fall apart on you, as well as increased range of motion. For example, my guys can tilt their heads and nod, and they also have an ab crunch in all directions. Oh, cool. Uh, and uh, the other thing I did to improve on them, as I saw it, was to give them highly detailed sculpting. The the crayons are super basic with, with paint tampos on them. And, yes. you know, that's part of their charm. Um, but if I'm going to release flat, basic figures that require folks to paint their own characters on them, well, it's not going to sell as well as one that's sculpted to look like the characters they want. That's right. Um, I'm also a huge fan of, the like, the Halo Mega Blocks. And, like, I love how detailed they are, you know. You know, all the sculpting that they have into them. Because there's no other minifigure that does that. You know, all of the other brands, you know, block minifigures are super basic and rely on their their coloring and their paint tampos to tell you what character they are. Mm-hmm. Whereas with, like, the Halo Mega Blocks, you know, you could spray them flat gray and you still know that you've got, like, you know, a Spartan or, you know, a Marine or you've got whatever. Yeah. And so I, I love that aspect of them. And so incorporate that into my own you know, mini bots. Now, have you uh, have you looked at any of the the Tenkai Knights? I have. In fact, I, I purchased the uh, the red one in both his small form and his big form. Okay, cool. I don't remember his name though. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought he was kind of cool. Although, um, and, and I, I like the fact that he transforms, you know, from a brick into you know a little figure. Yeah, I think it's pretty awesome. What I don't understand is the use of having him as a brick. Because I'm not going to take a bunch of these guys, have them transformed into brick, and make a wall. <laughs> but you could. I could, yeah. 
Yeah, I was. I, I picked up a couple of those just to see, and I got the red guy, and I got the little, the little green dragon dog thing or whatever he is, and uh, and I was thinking like, I, I, what are you gonna do with you know if you got like six of these things? Are you gonna stack them one on top of each other? Are you gonna you know I don't. I apparently there's a show or something like that that's gonna be done for these things. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll see what the whole brick thing's about at that point, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't particularly get it, but I, th- I like the idea. I think it's pretty cool, and I think um, Creo might uh, might be able to do something with that at some point. The the show's already on Cartoon Network. I, I've seen my son watching it a couple of times. Oh yeah, what does he think of it? Cool. Uh, he seemed uh, he he didn't seem too impressed with it. He's just watched it like once or twice, like in like right before school. You know, getting on the bus to school. He's seven. Okay. He's right there for the what they're shooting for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's an anime, so it's like these these teenage kids like go to another to a portal to another dimension and they turn into the the Tenkai Knights uh, yeah, in the other dimension. Fun. So <laughs> you know, that's the whole anime uh, storytelling vibe. Just I don't. I, I, it's not for me, basically. <laughs> have you seen on um, the Tenkai Knights YouTube channel? They have like a web series. No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, and um, the web series, I don't think has anything at all to do with the show that's on Cartoon Network. Oh. Oh, okay. It's like all CG, and there are no high-pitched anime kids in it whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. And you can probably blow through, like, all seven of the episodes that are up there in, like, ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> now, I wanted to ask you about uh, the the back end of Shapeways. Okay, sure. Uh, um. You so basically, from my understanding as an outsider, you as the designer make your design. You upload it to Shapeways for, um, like, as far as I know, it's been. You know, you've done your your testing. It's good. You're happy with it. You upload it to Shapeways, and then Shapeways essentially is just the uh, a design host, and they take a chunk of the the cost to host it, right? Well, the way that Shapeways works is, you know, I, I upload my design to them. They are the production and shipping house. Okay. They, um, so I, you know, I upload my design to their servers. Um, I order test prints through them. Um, and then, you know, there's a little checkbox that I can check off that says, you know, show to the public and, you know, make available for sale. And so once I decide that they're, you know, good to go, then I, I check those checkboxes off and then they show up in my shop and people can buy them. Cool. Um, Shapeways determines what the price is going to be. Really? Um, okay. And I have the option of adding markup to it if I choose. Oh. And um, the the vast majority of I, I know that like a lot of the other guys out there that do this kind of thing, um, you know, it's the the amount of markup that we put on these things are a pittance. Yes. Um, you know, there, there's I'm I, I'd say that the the amount of money that I make off of Shapeways sales. Um, covers about half the cost of my test prints. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, you know, I'm, there's, there's no way to, to get rich off of, off of Shapeways. Um, so you do it because you enjoy doing it. That's yeah. pretty much it. Um, or because you're trying to hone your craft. Yeah. So it's pretty much similar between most of the, the guys doing Shapeways, you think? I think so. Um, because let's say that I, I come up with an action figure design and I upload it and Shapeway says, okay, for, White Strong Flexible, which is the most common material that people use for you know, okay. anything that's going to require joints. Yeah. Um, they say, okay, it's going to cost you know $11.38. Now, I have the option to just release it into the wild at that much, um, or I can try to 
well, if I want to make some money on it, I add, you know, X amount of markup to it. Um, and then I have to be careful. How much markup do I add to it? What do I think people are willing to pay for this action figure? Right. So if I, you know, add, add like, well, I want to get paid. I want to get make like $5 on every figure. You know, are people willing to pay, you know, 16, $17 for this figure right. so that I can get my five bucks on each sale? Um, chances are probably not. So, you know, you, a lot of, I know me, for, for example, you know, my markup is, you know, like a dollar and change on each one. So, okay. it, uh, you know, so like really it takes me a really long time to build up enough, you know, money for them to actually do a payout for me. Yeah. Uh, but just because I want people to buy the models more than I want to get rich off of it. Uh, um, I just don't think that people are willing, going to be willing to purchase, you know, my, uh, you know, disposal figure or my explorer figure or, you know, Minimus Ambus or something, you know, if it's going to cost them 30 bucks each. So, you know, you do what you can to try to make the, it as cheap as possible on the Shapeways end, as well as on your markup end. Um, you know, you, you find different tricks like how, you know, I uh, hollow out the parts as much as I possibly can so you use as little material as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you put together your print package, you know, I, <clears throat> I cluster the, um, all of the parts together as tightly as I can so that the, uh, like the bounding box, the, if you imagine a, a box that would surround the entire entirety of all of your parts. Yes. Um, if you imagine that box as small and as tight as possible, you know, to try to keep that shape waste cost down as much as possible so that my figures can be affordable for people. Right. How, what made you, if you don't mind me jumping in here, what, what was the internal process of deciding whether you were going to, that you were going to charge for your, your shape waste products as opposed to your paper craft products? Well, the, the uh, the papercraft ones are are free to download uh, right. because I've just gotten so many I, I've never paid for a papercraft template in my life um, and I've got some ridiculously awesome ones. Um, in fact, I've even in one of my papercraft folders I've got a template for that uh, Disney label Mickey Optimus. Somebody made a papercraft template out of that and it even transforms. Oh, dude! Wow. Yeah. So. And, and I've never had to pay for them. So I don't, so for me to put together a paper craft template, you know, something that is essentially just a JPEG, you know, one page that they could print out. Um, I feel like I'm giving back. And so I make that, um, you know, I make those free, you know, for gotcha. people. Um, gotcha. with the Shapeway stuff though, you know, they're, they're going to have to, there's no way to make that free for them. Um, uh, they're going to have to pay Shapeways. And, um, and if I can, you know, recoup at least a little bit, you know, as far as off of my testing or put it towards my next round of testing, then why not? Right. Right. So, so this brings up an interesting question. The fact that, sure. you know, 3D printers are becoming cheaper for, for people and that 3D services like Shapewaves are, are affordable now. Um, we're, it, it's almost like we're seeing a new industry where the home, the home user can, can create their own toys or modify toys because of this. Are you worried at all about a, uh, oh, for lack of a better word, a Napster effect happening where your, your 3D model designs get out there and people are just trading them around and printing them off for themselves? And that's definitely a concern. Um, like if I were to upload, you know, some of my models to like Thingiverse, which is, a, um, you know, it's like a, a 3D warehouse for, you know, people that have like maker bots and replicators and that kind of thing. Um, then that would definitely happen. You know, if I made my model available somewhere, um, but by making it only available in Shapeways, then that's kind of like a walled garden. 
so to speak. You know, Shapeways doesn't make my model available to download at all. Right. So, you know, they're the only ones that have it and they produce the, the kit. Um, I've actually tried getting some of my models test printed on different home printers that, you know, people that have had. And I have yet to be able to get it uh, printed properly. Um, the, the home printers just aren't at a high enough quality yet to be able to produce my stuff, I guess. <laughs> gotcha. That's not to say that it won't happen soon, though. Um, I've definitely got my ear to the ground as far as, you know, upcoming 3D technologies. Um, and in fact, just this year, a, a major patent expired. Um, the patent on the 3D, um, like laser sintering, uh, expired. And so the word on the street is that at the end of this year, we're going to see some really awesome stuff, um, coming into the home market with big names like Canon and Brother deciding that they want to get in on 3D printing. So, uh, exciting times. And cheap too, right? They're projecting it to be around 300 bucks to, for a home 3D printer. That, that's what I've read. Um, yeah. Well, they'll still get I mean, you on supplies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It'll all be in the cost of the ink, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, um, I mean, I'm, I'd love to get a home printer myself so that I can not have to pay Shapeways for all of my test prints. <laughs> of course. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the dream though. In fact, my personal belief is that within the next, let's say 50 years time, you'll be able to go on to amazon.com. Look for, you know, the product that you want and order it. You know, you'll, you'll pay for it and then you'll click print. And then within, you know, a couple hours or whatever, you'll have that product sitting next to you. you know, that, at least that's, that's what I think will happen within the next 50 years. That would be I wish pretty we could cool. do that with food now. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> you're, Yoshi, uh, you're always hungry. <laughs> yeah, Amazon seriously. make me a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Yoshi, they did show off uh, 3D printers for food at the CES this year. Yes, they did. I was, in fact, I was trying to convince the uh, local bubble tea house near me that they should buy one. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, how awesome would it be, you know, to print out little, you know, little characters or whatever and drop them into your bubble tea? That'd be awesome. They're like, yeah, it's probably going to be really expensive. Like, yeah, but man, it'd be great. <laughs> 3D printed tapioca. There you go, man. <laughs> Yum. Just so, imagine having little like Goku heads floating in your tea. Have you ever thought about uh, about getting into add-on kits for mainstream figures? I have. In fact, I've I've been commissioned to do a couple of them. Um, typically, the stuff that that's commissioned, I don't um, I don't release publicly. Right. Uh, the uh, The only one that I have on my site, though, that I that I've done on my own is a Roadbuster head for the Cyberverse Beast Hunters bulkhead. Right. Yeah. Just because, you know, looking at the figure, I was like, okay, that's total, you know, Roadbuster homage. He needs a Roadbuster head. <laughs> yeah. Not, not a Skyrim, you know, <laughs> helmet head. Um, and so I, I did that one head and, but everything else is all been, you know, commission work. That can, I've you, done. can you tell us about the commissions? Uh, sure. Um, the most recent one that I did was for the, uh, the IDW, uh, Bumblebee figure. Right. And, the uh the client is planning on doing a uh like a customs class you know that they're going to be putting on like at a local comic shop yeah and so they wanted me to design a uh a head and weapon and um possibly get to be decided a uh, chest replacement for it mm-hmm. and so uh the the character they want is like his name is flame um apparently he was 
uh, a repaint of the Brain Master's Laster figure from G1. Um, I had to do a lot of research trying yeah. to figure out what this character was. <laughs> Charles, you got anything on that? Uh, the only flame I remember was uh, a character from the the G1 UK comics. That he is was... the character, though it didn't look like that in the figure. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was like a a crazy scientist, and like was I think he created some robot zombies or something, something like that. <laughs> nice. So yeah, the the, the toy is a uh, just a re- straight up repaint of the Brainmaster Laster. And so I, I did my designs based off of that. And the, the client actually had that toy when he was a kid. So that's why he wanted it. Cool. So, so I, um, you know, I, rather than just doing a straight up head replacement, I did a, a neck replacement and then created like a ball jointed head to fit on top of it. So he would have more articulation there. You know, did the weapon, did the, um, he hasn't decided whether or not he wants a chest replacement yet. So okay. that's still off the table. And all of that these just are- sounds uh, expensive. <laughs> Yeah, I think <laughs> well, it, it depends. You know, the uh, the, the Shapeways adds a you know a certain amount of markup to each order. You know, to each kit that you order. So if you have just like one small item, you're gonna get hit with like a minimum fee, right? But if right. you lump like as many of these things as tightly packed as you can into a single order, you know, into a single you know uh, set, you know, on Shapeways. Then you hit a ceiling of, um, like a, they, they have like their pricing changes, you know, once you hit a certain amount of material. And then once you hit that threshold, then they start looking at volume. And so like, okay, how much volume is your kit taking up versus how much material is it using? And if you can pack your shit as tight as you can, you know, so that you've got the really, really dense, then you get some ridiculous savings. Um, the biggest example I can think of that is like my, uh, my mini bots, um, that I just released, uh, like this week. Um, like if you get them separately, like the little guys are about, um, like 18 bucks each. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> but when I lumped them all together into a single order, like all of wave one, including the, the ultra Magnus and the separator kit, yeah. um, uh, the, I hit that threshold and, you know, had everything packed so tight that, I was actually able to bring the price down, including my markup, to where I could lop $20 off of the total of buying them all separately. So it was like getting an entire figure for free. Like if you bought the the weight, whole wave at once. It's pretty good. Yeah. So I guess yeah, I, I, I took a look at that to... uh, that whole wave one that you have on your site, and that's, a, that's quite a cube that you would be yes. receiving in the mail. <laughs> Yes, it is. the The downside, of course, to that is all the parts are mixed together. So yeah, I I I, I found it humorous to just have these random heads sticking out from the side. <laughs> <laughs> Reminded me of like a of a Looney Tunes snowball. Kind of, yeah. Just rolling yeah. down the hill. There's a couple other little little items in there that that weren't talked about. <laughs> Um, so can you walk us through the process that uh, you use to create a part uh, and, uh, you know, basically let us know how long it takes from start to finish? Sure. Um, like, would you be talking about, like, creating a add-on part or replacement part or, like, something scratch? Well, built, like, let's, yeah, <clears throat> one, of the, one of the mini-bots, because that's what, uh, okay. what you're starting to get known for here. Yeah, well, the first thing that I do is I build a base figure. 
um, something that's already got, you know, all of the articulation that I want, all of the, you know, the engineering's already been figured out and tested. Um, <clears throat> once I have that base figure and I'm happy with it, then it's just a matter of adding details to it because it's not like I have to figure out how they transform. Right. So I'm not, I'm not worrying about that. Eventually I will. That, that is a goal of mine is to start making some transforming figures. But for now, with the mini bots, you know, I've got my base figure. I've got in, in, you know, four different, you know, base models, you know, the, the smallest one, two at the medium size, one that's like a thinner version, one that's a thicker version, and then the, the biggest one that I used for Ultra Magnet. And, um, and so once I've got that in place, then it's research. And I am going through all of my comics, uh, that I have digital. I'm going through, you know, image, uh, Google image searches, and I'm building up a, a library of every possible angle that I can find for a character, you know, of reference images. And I drag them all into Photoshop and I, you know, compile them all into a single image, you know, that just has, you know, it's cropped to have exactly the angles and everything that I need for that character uh, mm-hmm. to show me, you know, everything that I need to know, um, which I don't mind telling you is a real pain in the ass. Oh, I can <laughs> imagine. Yeah. The, the artwork tends to be somewhat inconsistent. Yeah. And, and is not, uh, drawn with the thought of 3d in mind <laughs> no. so you got some like mc escher-esque details going on <laughs> um so once i've got that in place then i'm ready to start modeling and so i'll you know start with a part and i'll just keep going back and forth comparing it to the art the, the source material um and like well okay that yeah i'll make that you know half a mil that'll be two millimeters out and i just start little by little bringing up the details of of the character for this specific part. Okay, I'm working on a thigh today. So I'm working on looking at every angle to make sure that this thigh looks exactly like the artwork. Um, start to finish, once I've gotten all of the parts modeled up, I, I guess I never get to work on it straight through, so I'm not real sure exactly how long it takes me. Um, but I, I'd guesstimate probably like for the, the figure I'm working on right now, which is, uh, his name is Database. Okay. I'd say that um, I've got his shins and his feet left to do, um, but start to finish the whole thing is probably going to be about uh, maybe 15 to 20 hours worth of work. That's not bad. No, not at all. No, that's not bad so, at all. Um, and because I've already got this base figure already set up, and so it's just a matter of rendering out the details. Yeah. So it's kind of like almost starting with like a boilerplate, if you will. Yeah. You know, getting a, a jump start on it. Whereas if I had to build everything out from scratch every time or try to puzzle out the, you know, the transformation sequences or something, it would take significantly longer. Oh yeah. Um, you know, so with the, with the mini bots, you know, my plan is to, uh, start cranking out characters. Um, you know, there's a, a real fan outcry for, you know, toy representation of these characters that they see in the comic books. And, uh, and not just to have like, oh, okay, I have a world figure, you know, because like with the recent Hasbro, um, world that came out, a lot of people were disappointed because it didn't look like the, the Alex Milne artwork, mm-hmm. you know, it, it didn't look like the character in the comic book. And so I'm making that my kind of, um, that's my niche, you know, that's my, um, that, that's where I'm, I'm putting myself is to like, okay, I'm going to replicate the art, the Alex Milne or the, the Nick Roche artwork to, give people representation of those characters yeah no you've been doing well very uh so far um, thanks <laughs> going through your uh what what essentially is wave one right mm-hmm. um for those of them for those of our listeners that don't know uh you have load bearer 
which mm-hmm. if anyone's reading the comic books knows load bearer is uh minimus ambus who refers to himself as a load bearer right. um and uh this that figure com- uh combines very nicely with your next uh piece which is uber magnum which mm-hmm. uh which is your ultra magnus armor right and uh those two are fantastic which you can buy together you've nicely lumped them in one big set which is very good you then have explorer uh-huh. uh which which is pipes yes yes that pipes yeah and uh and that's a really good looking figure you got the blue perfectly on that one thank you uh the next figure you have is disposal mm-hmm. which is tailgate right. and tailgate is definitely a fan favorite character as anyone reading the comic Absolutely. books would know uh, and the last one, rounding out uh, wave one, is Bartender, who uh, who is Swerve. Great name for 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 Swerve there, Bartender. Thanks. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there. That's a great wave one. Fantastic. Thanks. Uh, so it sounds like you're a fan of the of the comics, or at least you've been reading some of the the recent comics. Is that true? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm totally up to date on them. And I cried when Pipes got stomped on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had actually started designing that figure prior to issue 15, um, when I was doing my action formers line and, um, the, the action formers don't have that, that super deformed aesthetic, you know, they're much more, um, proportional. And, uh, and so when I was designing that, you know, and then 15 came out, I was like, ah, damn it. No, <laughs> I loved pipes, you know, and, uh, and actually I, I named those three explore disposal and, and bartender kind of based on what they do. Right. You know, where with the, you know, pipe saying that, you know, he was just having a great time just exploring the universe. Right. And then, and then obviously with tailgate, what's written on his arm. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool. So you mentioned the, uh, the one you're working on database. So, yep. yep so that's the, the first one for wave two. That's okay. So, uh, can you tell us what character that's based on? Um, well, of the characters on the lost light, uh, who is a walking, talking database? Uh, I will. Is it mainframe? No, more more main character than that. Or at least okay. he was up until what was it, twenty five, twenty four? I when think Overlord I got out. I think I know. You put a picture up on your Facebook page, oh, so I think oh, I know. Okay, but, Re- uh, but yeah, but Re- uh, rewind, right? That's right. <laughs> there you rewind. go. <laughs> in fact, he's he's been referred to as a you know a walking talking database a couple of times in the comics. So yeah, ah. that's right. Oh, cool. Charles, you're letting me down, man. Yeah, I know. I, I was, I psyched myself out. Yeah. I've, I guess, uh, since he, he departed us, uh, last year, I, I yeah. removed him from my lost light, uh, <laughs> catalog. Right. But he's still a fan favorite though. So no, that, that's definitely and, true. And there's still a lot of people that want that, that rewind figure. So that's why I'm making it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, yeah. the Transformers Club is doing a rewind figure, I think this year for their buck. Uh, that's true. They are subscription service. Yeah, and also a uh, Chrome Dome figure, right? Mm-hmm. Which I, I'm, I have no doubts is entirely because of their popularity in one Oh yeah, I mean, well, the Chrome Dome head is the um, Nick Roach head, mm-hmm. so the the shots that they've been putting up look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, your Shapeway stuff comes unpainted. We we've mentioned it a couple times already, and for that, for some of us, that can be some of the biggest challenges. What tips or tricks would you suggest uh, to people such as myself that are, are stepping into the Shapeways products and are not really the greatest of, you know, painters? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, um, 
I'll, I'll be honest. It is my least favorite part of the process is painting them up. Um, in fact, the vast majority of figures that I have that I've designed are still unpainted. <laughs> um, but the, uh, well, the, the material the, that it comes in, the white, strong and flexible, um, you can also get it in, in polished. Um, right. So that you don't have quite as gritty a texture. And so that, that's a much nicer, nicer finish on it. Um, you can also get it in something called frosted ultra detail, which will give you a really nice smooth finish and really sharp details on it. Um, but the material itself is more brittle. Okay. And, um, like on the really small figures, like fake busters thugger, you know, you can get away with it. But, um, I actually met with him at, uh, this last New York, New York Comic Con. Um, I got to meet him and hang out with him. And, uh, he said that, you know, after a couple of months, you know, his, his figure, you know, he's really delicate with it. Um, the, the frosted ultra detail stuff just starts to, like after a couple of months, starts getting brittle and mm-hmm. you, you really would not want the, uh, the Uber Magnum armor and that kind of material, to, you know, pull it apart and put it back together again. Yeah. Um, but the, so the material itself is actually super porous. Um, and it will soak up paint like a sponge. So it's really different than like if you're used to painting like customs, like if you're used to taking your, you know, your mainline figure that you get from the store and yeah. priming it and painting it because it's completely different kind of material for good or bad. So, you know, some people like to seal the, fig- the, the parts first. Um, well, let me back up again. First thing you should always do with the parts is, you know, you, if they're on a sprue, you cut them free. And then you wash them. You know, you get an old toothbrush, you scrub them. Uh, I have a, uh, I take a, a sewing pin and I meticulously kind of try to pick out every little, uh, like detail line and little, um, every socket, you know, that a ball is going to go into or a joint is going to go into to make sure that there isn't any of that, uh, that support material still stuck in it. Okay. Um, because, you know, if it is, obviously it's going to mess up your joint. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, it's going to muddy up your details. You know, so if you can, like on um on the the Andis figure, you know, he's got some some detail lines that are cutting through his abdominals. You know, and so you can kind of take that pin and kind of cut out those, you know, carve out those uh, details a little better, kind of gummed up with support material. It's not going to be ever, ever going to look as nice as something you would get, you know, injection molded. But you know, it's uh they're one offs really. You know, every single print that you get is going to be a one off. Yes. You know? So if you think about it that way, then you know. I guess it's better than nothing, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, once you've got them all cleaned up and all support material is out of the way, you can paint them up. Um, I personally use acrylics when I do my painting. Um, I know some people use enamels, but, you know, with this kind of material, you don't have to because it, it soaks up the, the paint so nicely. Um, obviously, if you're going to be doing some, some detail paint work, um, you want to seal it first. Otherwise, your paint's going to bleed. If, if you think about it, like, um, like I'm, I'm sure you've had the experience of where you've taken a Sharpie and you've written on like, you know, loose leaf paper and it starts to bleed through the paper. Yes. That exact same kind of effect really is what happens to the white strong flexible. Okay. <clears throat> In fact, you could even take Sharpies and you could color your, you know, your, your prints with Sharpies if you wanted. Uh-huh. Um, and it will, you know, bleed through the material. And so like if you're doing an entire part in red, then that becomes super easy to get into the nooks and crannies. Um, and so, or if you're planning on, you know, doing, um, you know, multiple color passes, then you would do whatever your main block color is, you know, first, let it all soak in, and then you're kind of sealing it with that color. And then you go back with other colors and do more detail work. 
And then, you know, to finish it off, you know, I'll give it a, a clear coat, you know, like a couple of, couple of coats of, um, you know, clear lacquer or something and, and you're good. Right. Now, do you, what I've always wondered about it is, um, I would be very worried about painting the ball joint and the, and the inside of the socket kind of thing. Do you just kind of skip all of that and leave it to function on its own or do you actually paint that too? Well, sure. I mean, because it can, because the material is so porous, when you go to paint your, your ball joints, it soaks into that material, um, deep into it. So you don't have to worry about paint rub. Okay. Cause, you know, even if that topmost layer of material gets rubbed, the color is soaked through it. Right. So it's almost like having the ball joint molded in that color. You know? Cool. Cool. Yeah. So no, that like, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so really, you know, paint rub is not something you have to worry about. Right on. Yeah, I was just curious for the super lazy folks out there like me. Uh, do you know of any like third party uh, people who are willing to paint stuff uh, like on commission or or have a business of painting uh, uh, custom figures? There's a couple out there. Yeah, like if you go into the different um, customs forums, um, the the one I hang out at the most is actually on TFW 2005, and um, there, there's a lot of different, um, like, you know, customizers and, and paint specific customizers that will do that for you. You know, where you, you know, you PayPal them the amount for the, uh, the figure that you want to order through Shapeways. They order it, they receive it, they paint it up, and then they mail it to you. Oh, okay. Cool. So it's just a matter of finding somebody that's like, hey, will you do this for me? <laughs> How much are you going to charge me for it? Okay. Cool. Um, Shapeways does have a service actually that does full color printing. However, the material it's available in is called sandstone. Um, and it, it gives you some nice, you know, full color prints, but oh, you would not want something made, you know, of that for joints because <laughs> it would just crumble in your hands. Um, <clears throat> but I have been considering actually doing some just solid, non articulated little statues, you know, out of that. There is a market so, for that. You be. might, yeah, you might want a little bigger than the mini bots, but. But, uh, but yeah, I think there's a, there's definitely a market for that. People just like to sit their stuff there and just like look, looking at them. So, yeah. Well, I was actually thinking more along the lines of like role playing miniatures. Oh, down to that small. Yeah. Um, in fact, there's a, actually a, a game I've been developing that's like a tabletop tactical game. So. <laughs> oh, Yoshi, he's talking your language. <laughs> he certainly is. It's uh it's giant robots fighting in a you know cityscape. <laughs> Pacific Rim style or or Transformer style? Uh well I guess technically it would be Pacific Rim style, um in that it's you know building sized mechs, um, but they're piloted, they're not living. Um because there's a, a game mechanic for, you know, whatever pilot you use gives you different bonuses and that sort of thing. Gotcha. And there's, you know, you can take cover behind buildings. So, <laughs> but I was actually thinking more, this is, I'd started this before Pacific Rim came out. So I was, I was really thinking more along the lines of Armored Core. Oh, I used to love that game. <laughs> uh, I found my people. <laughs> I always used to try and make Transformer looking characters out of it though. It never worked. No, it never did. <laughs> so I was going over your Facebook page in preparation for this interview. Okay. And I came across a post of yours about some drama that had been going on <laughs> between you and a uh, another fellow that had been on here uh, interviewing Echo Transformer. 
uh, him and you and, and X transbots over design of yours, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, you guys were swapping back and forth about, uh, in regards to his, uh, his Boosticus, uh, set. So do you want to, do you want to elaborate on this? Uh, do you want to sure. tell us about what, what happened all here? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It's, um, basically when he was first developing his kit, you know, he was doing it, you know, just in the customs boards. He was doing it through Shapeways. Um, he actually hadn't decided yet. Uh, his original plan was to release it through Shapeways. Yes. And, um, and so I was, you know, following along with his progress and I saw that he had, you know, just solid hands, you know, non-articulated hands. I, I'd spoken up to him and said, Hey, do you think that the hands that I designed for the Creon combiners will work well for this? And he was like, yeah, maybe, you know, what size are they? And so I got measurements. I altered my design. Um, and I, you know, created a, a set of hands for him that fit with his, uh, with his upgrade set. And he actually ordered them and tested them. And in fact, in some of his early pictures of his, uh, of his kit, when it was still the Shapeways, it has my hands on it. Okay. And, um, and so then when he went to, talk to ex-transbots, you know, he tried selling them the idea of using these articulated hands. And for whatever reason, they were like, no, nah, we don't, we don't want to go with articulated hands. You know, we're, we're not interested. And so I was like, all right, cool. You know, they, they don't want to, that, that's fine. Yeah. And so, um, and so I thought that was it until, you know, one day on, cause you know, I, you know, I follow all of the third party you sure. know, Facebook pages and on, you know, ex-transbots are like, Hey, check out this new design, you know, for these articulated hands. I was like, huh, look at that. <laughs> and I took a look at it and some of the, you know, the design mechanics are very similar to the designs that I had given to Echo Transformer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, not necessarily like carbon copy, you know, it was like they, a lot of it looked like it had taken mine and then improved upon it. Because, yeah. you know, it looked better than what I had given it. But, um, so, but some of the mechanics were still very similar. And so that's why it was like, hey, you know, what's going on here? And, um, and X transbots and he he said, you know, this is the first I've heard of it, man. You know, like when we went back for the um the ruination set, I tried selling them again on it and they were they were thinking about it. You know, they were they were thinking about going with articulated hands, but I never heard anything back from them until, you know, today when they show us this image. So he's saying like that, you know, his hands are in the air. You know, he didn't know what was going on. And then yeah. uh X Transbots actually contacted me saying, like, hey, you know, Nobody gave us your files or anything. You know, our, our designer came up with this all on his own. And I was like, uh, okay, you say so. And that was it. And they were like, you know, but hey, if you come up with something later on down the line, you know, we're willing to, we're willing to take a look at it. I'm like, all right, that's cool. <laughs> Very so, good. Because the first so time went happened. over so well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Send us more stuff so we can turn you down and we'll make yes. it back. <laughs> yeah. So, and, uh, my, my friend Faith Busker, he's had his stuff stolen, like, I think like three or four times now. You know, stuff that he's put out on, on Shapeways. And then before you know it, some third party company is like releasing it under a different name. And it's like exactly the same as the stuff that he's produced. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I, I feel bad for him in that regard. Yeah. So you're not mad at Echo Transformer? No, no, not at all. Okay, good. And, and, and I'm not mad at X Transbots either. Um, in in fact, I, I feel more along the lines of like, hey, I guess my designs are getting good enough to to copy. <laughs> to, to be stolen, yeah. Hey, I must be leveling up. <laughs> That's right. 
Yeah, no, we've had him on, and he did uh, did an interview with us as well, and he seems like a really cool guy too. And mm-hmm. and, and you Shapeways guys, you guys got to stick together. You know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so no, that's uh, we we have a picture on, and we'll put it up in the show notes of of your original design, and then we've got the picture of X Transbot's design as well. And uh, our listeners can be the judge of of what they think. Uh, yeah. Uh, if it was stolen or not. So let us know, guys. Yeah. Well, I, like I said, you know, looking at it, I don't think that it was stolen because it, their design looks approved upon. <laughs> it's better than what I, what I'd originally given it. Although it's missing a point of wrist articulation that mine had. <laughs> ah. Well, that seals it then. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, do you tend, attend any conventions? You said you got together with, uh, Fake Busker at, uh, what was that, uh, New York Comic Con? Yeah, the New York Comic Con. He's actually from Singapore, oh. and um, and he was doing like a, a U.S. tour. Okay, um, you know, hitting a whole bunch of different spots. And um, uh, I'm I'm not far from New York. In fact, um, my the office where I work at is right on the Hudson, and you know, I, I can see New York from my my office window. And, okay. Uh, so when I found out he was going to be in town, I was like, "Well, hot damn, I got to meet him." <laughs> you know, he's yeah. like one of my, you know, he's like my Shapeways hero. So. <laughs> Um, so I made a point to, I actually didn't attend the convention at all. I, I walked into the convention center and like hung out right there where the people were coming in and out until we came out and we're like, all right, now we're hitting the bars. So I believe that's called stalking. <laughs> well, he knew I was going to be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was prearranged. Prearranged stalking. Got it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so other than stalking people at conventions, do you attend them on your own? <laughs> um, I have, I used to actually, like, back in the day, like back in the 90s and early 2000s, I used to go to a bunch of anime con, do okay. the cosplay thing and all of that. Um, I have yet to go to a toy convention. Um, just cause, you know, I have a family now, and so it seems like being able to get away to go to these conventions is not always allowed. Kids, kids love them, man. Yeah. Giant robots? <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm making it a point to try to get to TF Con. Um, if not this year, then next year, though. Right on. So I, I really want to, especially because, you know, like I listen to all the drama and stuff going on with BotCon and uh, all the stuff going on with FunPub. TFCon just seems like a much cooler show. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Let me know if you're coming and we'll uh, we'll meet up there and I'll get you a beer. Awesome. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, well, in addition to those, um, in, is it next week? The, the 15th is a... Uh, 3D World convention that I'm, it's a, like a trade show for or okay. 3D printing. And so I'm going to be, that's in New York. I'm going to be attending that. And if I can swing it, um, because supposedly I qualify now, I'm going to see if I can try to get into New York Toy Fair. Oh, cool. Because technically I am a toy designer now. Hey, look at that. Yep. <laughs> I always thought according it would be kind to, of. Uh, according to Wayne Losey, I should be able to get it. Okay. Um, I don't know if you know who Wayne Losey is or not. No, but I assume he's pretty big in that. Wayne Losey is, uh, his current project is Modibot, if you've heard of that. No. Uh, it is like the spiritual successor to Stickbot. Um, he was the designer, uh, that did the, uh, G.I. Joe Sigma 6 figures. Um, he also did, uh, the Zevos figures. He's responsible for those. Okay. Um, not sure what else he might have done that you'd be familiar with, but he worked at Hasbro for a long time. Okay. That's cool. You've been talking to him. I have. Good. I I, I try to um, you know network as best I can. <laughs> that's that's good. 
you can get your TFCon has announced that Aaron Archer is going to be a guest. So if you get yes. if you could get there this year, I would love to be able to pick his brain. <laughs> <laughs> See if you sound like just download what's in there and <laughs> you sound like an incredibly organized individual. <laughs> Must come from being a programmer. <laughs> I th- I often thought about uh, for people such as yourself with um, reputations on for shapeways and whatnot. If you were to get a table at like TFCon, for instance, and just say just sit there with your with a computer with your laptop and a, and a, a bunch of your figures out in front, and people come up and say, "Oh, hey, this is cool. I like this. I remember seeing this. Can I get this?" And you say, "Yes, you can." And you know, you just type in there. <laughs> their information into Shapeways and order it for them, you know? That would be pretty cool, although people usually want to have it in hand. Of course they do. Walk away with it. <laughs> yeah, um, of course they do. But yeah, that would be cool. In fact, uh, years ago, um, when when 3D printing was really starting to get big, I thought, you know what would be really awesome? Would be to go to some of these conventions, and at the time I was just thinking, you know, anime conventions, because that's what I've been to. And, like, how cool would it be to use um, like 3D Catch or one of these other 3D scanning programs and have somebody in their costume, they strike a pose, and you take a 3D scan of them in their pose and then say, okay, I can now print out that little, little maquette of you in your in your costume in that pose. You know, be back in eight hours. <laughs> That'd be cool. That'd be very cool. And to my knowledge, nobody is doing that yet. So uh, <laughs> if, I, if I hear later that somebody's decided to do that, I'll know where they got the idea. Yeah. <laughs> Might take a little longer than eight hours, but it's a good idea. Yes. Yeah. You know, 3D printing could also be used with just the, the designing of the cosplay stuff. I'm, oh, absolutely. I'm sure. I mean, I know a lot of it is more, um, they deal with like foam and, and other materials. And I, I haven't heard of anyone using 3D printing to make the, the component pieces. No, instead, that's where papercraft comes into play. Um, in fact, a lot of the armor type costumes that you see, like for the Molnir armor, like the, the Spartan armor, or the um, like Iron Man suits that you see running around, a lot of those are actually um, they take a, they do you know somebody does a 3D model like in Max or or whatever have you, and then from there it gets translated into a program called Pepakura, which will take a 3D model and unfold it and create a a two-dimensional papercraft template out of that model. And so people design their different armor parts in 3D. They translate it into this papercraft template, and then they can print it out 1-1 scale, and they you know, print it onto cardstock, and they put together this papercraft armor part, and then from there, they just layer it up with, um, uh, with like Bondo, you know, like body filler, or they uh, put it, uh, a lot of people will cover it in um um, fiberglass and then start shaping it and everything. But the base, the original base they're getting that shape out of is actually a paper craft template. That's really cool. Yeah. And, um, I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to do a Transformers costume using that technique because nobody has ever done that before. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, you know, the, the movie, you know, you know, the video game characters and the, the Iron Man characters and stuff. They, but- that there's, people do that for. Nobody's ever done that uh, Transformers character like that. Instead, well, it's some, always, you know, cardboard and plushy stuff. There's been some pretty good Transformers costumes the last couple of years at TFCon. I don't know whether there's they've been done using that method or not, but uh, I remember seeing some pretty good ones at TFCon these last couple of years. Yeah. 
I've seen some of the pictures. Some of them are definitely uh, improving their game. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I had this idea a couple of years, uh, I guess maybe a year or two ago, that I wanted to do a costume of RC from yes. Transformers Prime. Um, not necessarily because I'm into gender bending or anything, but because I thought she would be the closest to being a 1-1 scale costume. To each his own, whatever. We don't judge. <laughs> but I was thinking it'd be really awesome to do like all of her armor paneling using that, that technique. And to have you ever seen those um these like pogo stilts? Yes. They're like there's like stilts where people can like jump super high on them and stuff. Yep. I was thinking it'd be really awesome to build a costume around a pair of those. Because mm-hmm. then instead of walking around like you're on drywall stilts, you know, on those kind of things, you can actually like run and jump and leap. You'd be agile, you know, in a this eight foot tall robot costume. True. That'd be cool. Of course, you probably wouldn't be able to see squat, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What would you say is the most complex paper craft you've ever seen or done? Um, well, those are, the answer to those are two different things. Um, those two different questions. Okay. The most complex one that I've ever done is actually, um, a model by, um, that you can get for free off of the site paperreplica.com, uh, paper, paper hyphen replica with a K. And, uh, he just does absolutely phenomenal mecha work. Um, he did, and what I built is an 18 inch tall Gundam unicorn. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that series. Nope, but I'm sure some of our listeners are. Yeah, unicorn Gundam in destroy mode. Um, and it is, like I said, it's 18 inches tall and it's completely articulated. It's got articulated fingers, you know, um, full motion, you know, shoulders, not just swivel. Um, like universal joints for the, the hips. <laughs> wow. Um, ball jointed help, uh, head. Um, it's insane the amount of detail that he's put into this thing. Um, so I built that and, um, I only got a chance to work on it like maybe, you know, an hour every morning before work. And it took me like two years to do it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, and, uh, but the most complicated one I've ever seen is by the same artist. He did a, uh, a movie version of Optimus Prime um, that is from the the 07 movie. Okay. That is about, I guess, about four feet tall. Oh boy! And is again fully articulated, like articulated knuckles. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's insane. I I own the the template for it, but I've never printed out and tried building it yet. <laughs> <laughs> because if you know the 18 inch you know Gundam unicorn took me two years, that thing would probably take me a decade. <laughs> yeah. So, so how do you make ball joints with paper craft? It's not easy. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> basically the, the way that this guy did it was he, um, you kind of make a, a paper dodecahedron, like, like a 20 sided die. Okay. And, um, like you make that and then on one side, um, you kind of leave, leave it open on one side and then you take a column and then you fill that column with like a tightly rolled piece of, uh, another piece paper so that it becomes this dense thing and then that gets inside inserted inside and glued inside of the the ball piece okay um in fact i was really impressed when i was building this model because uh it uses so many small parts built up on top of each other that you get this really dense thing you know like the the torso feels really solid it doesn't feel hollow at all you know and you, you pick it up to it pick it up and it feels like it's got some weight to it you know, despite the fact that it's made out of paper, this thing probably weighs maybe like two pounds. Mm, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. 
All right, so we're going to move into the rapid-fire questions. Are you ready for these, Christian? Sure. All right. Easy ones first. Autobot or Decepticon? Autobot. Who is your favorite Autobot? Based on the number of figures that I have of that character, I'm going to go with Optimus. Okay. (laughs) Very good. Now, of the Michael Bay movies, one, two, or three, which one is your uh, least hated? (laughs) Uh, I guess I'll go with the first one. (laughs) I think I probably hate the third one the most, though. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And I can't say that I'm totally looking forward to four. (laughs) But you'll pay money anyway. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, I will. (laughs) We'll That's how we all know we we'll, we'll, we'll kick our shoe, you know, we'll kick our the dirt and we'll go grumbling into the theater. You know, yeah. Over there opening day. <laughs> <laughs> uh Megan Fox or Rosie Huntington Wheatley? Mm, I guess I'll go with Megan Fox. Right on. And soon we'll have to add Nicola Nicola Peltz to this list. Yeah, I guess so. Uh now more than meets the eye or robots in disguise? More than meets the eye. Right on. I, I just love what uh, James Roberts is doing. Mm-hmm. Third-party toys, yes or no? Yes, clearly. <laughs> As I am now a third party. <laughs> That's right. Um, cats or dogs? Dogs. Coffee or tea? Coffee. But only if you put enough stuff in it that it no longer tastes like coffee. <laughs> right. <laughs> Liquid candy. Exactly. Uh, chicken or steak? Hmm. I guess I'll... Hmm. That's a tough one. Uh, I'll go with steak because I don't get to have it as often. All right. Pepsi or Coke? Mm, really more of a ginger ale, man. <laughs> I, I guess I'll go with the Coke. <laughs> All right. Burger King or McDonald's? McDonald's. Burger King is always you know, the lesser little brother. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a history or science man? Science. Science. Xbox or PlayStation? Uh, do you like first-person shooters or do you like RPGs? I guess I'll go with PlayStation. PlayStation. Uh, Call of Duty or Battlefield? Battlefield. Battlefield. Because they made Star Wars games. <laughs> PC or Mac? PC. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Marvel or DC? What's that? Marvel or DC? Oh, Marvel. And who is your favorite Marvel character? Probably Spider-Man. Spider-Man. So Sylvester- my favorite DC character is Captain Marvel. <laughs> All right. Uh, Stallone or Schwarzenegger? I'll go with Schwarzenegger. All right. Scarlett Johansson or Angelina Jolie? Ooh. Hmm. When you take personal lives into consideration, I'm going to go with Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah. All right. Twilight or The Hunger Games? I haven't seen either of them. Oh. So I guess I'll go with Hunger Games just because you know, Katniss is cute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That works. It's a lot cuter than Edward is. <laughs> Edward, uh, Pixar or DreamWorks? Hmm. Hmm. I guess I'll go with. I guess I'll go with Pixar. Right on. Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars. Star Wars. No Is hesitation. It, pardon me. I said no hesitation. No hesitation. Yeah. Uh, the Simpsons or Family Guy? Simpsons. Right on. Walking Dead, which debuts tonight. Uh, or the Game of Thrones. I'm sorry, what was the the choice? Walking Dead or Game of Thrones? Hmm. I guess I'll go with Walking Dead. All right. NFL, MLB, NHL, or NBA? I know those letters mean something. 
<laughs> They're all sports balls. <laughs> yes. Uh, hmm. I don't watch any sports whatsoever, but I guess I'll go with the hockey because they wear more armor. <laughs> they and look more like robots. <laughs> and they're they're better than everyone else. <laughs> Suck those. Uh, Porsche, Ferrari, or Lamborghini? Lamborghini. Right on. And last one, bro- blonde, brunette, or redhead? redhead. <laughs> <laughs> very right. good, sir. Thank you very much for that. I've got some questions. Uh-oh. For my, my wave two of the mini bots. Yes. If I give you my names for them, do you think you could figure out who I'm talking about? Oh, Charles probably be our guy. I'm sure we could give him a good, give it a good shot though. Well, I, I got to redeem myself after completely <laughs> failing on rewind. So damn right you do. <laughs> I'm right, up for well, the challenge. I only have five figures per wave. Okay. So okay. You've got the first one database. Yep. Second figure psychiatrist. Wrong. Yeah, that's easy. Unicorn. Oh. Mm. Uh, are these all more than meets the eye crew members? They are. Okay. I'm going to say Pharma. No. No. Um, Shockwave? No. Mm. That's. Worst guess you could ever oh, make. Cyclonus. 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 Yeah. <laughs> One horn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This one's going to be tricky for you. Brain surgeon. Chrome oh, that, yeah, that's easy. <laughs> is it? Is it, Chrome, is it? Chrome Dome. There you go. Okay. How about Stomper? Overlord? There you go. <laughs> You're doing an Overlord. Uh, wow. Well, I want to have a big figure in each wave. Nicely done. So that's the uh, the idea. Okay, how about for wave three? Now, these are not going to be lost light members, so I'll just give you that hint. Okay. Okay. And these are probably going to be a lot more, I guess, difficult. Uh, pivot. Is it, are you going DJD or scavengers? That's for you to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I might have to go to the TF wiki here. <laughs> go ahead. Are they, are they current figures or are, are they just, okay. you know, randos? There are no figures that exist of these guys. Oh, damn. But I'm sure people would love to have them. Okay. Let me have it. And for pivot, there isn't even a G1 figure available. Is it fulcrum? There you go. Oh, ah, okay. Good job. Jeremy for the save. Nice. <laughs> I'm just faster at the wiki than everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about cork? Uh, hmm. Is there like a stopper figure? Croc? There you go. All right. <laughs> how about jam? Misfire. Totally outrageous. Misfire, Fire. yeah. Chopper. Get in the chopper. <laughs> flywheels? No, not flywheels. Spinister? Spinister. Ah, okay. Get in the chopper. <laughs> there, is, there is a G1 character for a uh, figure for uh, Spinister. Right, but there isn't one for Falcom. Oh, okay. Uh, that's why I've been off. I've been. <laughs> <laughs> that's my excuse. Right. You'll, you'll get the next two pretty easy, I'm sure. Head trauma? Uh, crankcase. Mm-hmm. And Bigfoot. Grimlock? Nope. Flywheels. Flywheels. Oh, sorry. I, I just associate Grimlock with the group because that's where he is right now in the comments. Yeah, I was highly considering putting him into the wave to have him be the giant in this in wave three, but that would mean having to leave a couple of these guys out. 
So are you but, already into th- uh, third wave designs or are you just coming up with names? Just come up with names and decide and just plotting out who I'm going to do. Oh, okay. Right on. Very cool. I'm excited to see what you do with the uh, Overlord. That will be cool. very interesting. Very cool. Yeah, we'll we'll have to tweet these all to the more than meets the eye crew and uh, see what they think about this. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be excited. <laughs> Hope so. Mm-hmm. So just to end off the interview here, if people want to to get copies of what you do, where can they find it? Where can they find you? How can people get in touch with you? That kind of thing. Okay, the absolute easiest way to get in touch with me is going to be through my Facebook page. Okay. And that's just, you know, facebook.com slash Wulong Toys. Um, W-U-L-O-N-G-T-O-Y-S with a capital W-L-N-T. Because apparently Facebook is case sensitive. All right. We'll, we'll be sure to put a link in our show notes so people don't have to, <laughs> to <laughs> type it in. <laughs> good, good. Well, I, now I'm curious if I can just, if I type it in, it lowers, will it bring me up? <laughs> nope. <laughs> and you're also on Twitter as well? I am also on Twitter, um, either Wulong Toys or Wulong Tea, either one. Oh, you got two. Mm-hmm. Right on. Although the, uh, the Wulong Tea one is, you know, my personal Twitter account. And then the Wulong Toys, I, I pretty much just use for putting out like public re- releases and stuff. Okay, cool. Cool. Right on. And as we touch. Following me on Facebook, though, is a really good way if you want to get in on some of my, uh, my testing prints. Um, cause a lot of times I'll, like just to the guys on Facebook or uh, I'll just say like, Hey, I need a tester for this figure coming out. You know, who's interested? Okay. And so, you know, that's, if you want in on it, you know, that's a good way, you know, like first come first serve, you know, uh, like, Oh man, he's, he's doing the rewind figure. I really want to get that, you know, and you'll just ship it out to these people. Well, I'll give them the first grabs at it on Shapeways. Okay, cool. And they'll be able to order it at cost. Right on. Yep. That's very cool. And then um, I've also started, like with Wave 1 of the mini-bots here, I've started doing something called the Experimental Toy Box, which is, you know, the whole collection of what I've done so far. And so obviously the more figures I do, the bigger it gets, the more expensive it gets. But yes, it's all the uh, the testing, you know, the testing figures. And so again, a way for people to get stuff before it's publicly released if they're interested. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on the show and doing an interview with us. Hey, no problem. Yeah, and uh, you're going to hang around and uh, and talk some uh, toys news with us? Yeah, absolutely, man. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to hand the show back over to Charles here, and we'll continue on. All right. Yeah, as Daryl said, thanks again for coming on and, and hanging out with us. It's been a really interesting discussion. It's my pleasure. All right, and uh, we're going to move on with the rest of the show. And, of course, we're going to start off with toys. And as we always start off with Daryl for toys, because he is our toy <sighs> expert. <laughs> I had a moment's break. <laughs> All right. First thing I've got is a, uh, a couple pictures that I was able to dig up for Mech Ideas. They have started showing pictures for their animated styled Huffer and Pipes. Now, there's no names is what they're calling them, but Mech Ideas, they're the guys who put out the Apex and Geminis figures, the the new recreations of the Jump Starters, those really crappy G1 figures that everyone had but no one liked. Um, so these guys, this is the first thing that they've been able to they, that they've put out since then, and this is pretty cool. I know that there's been a really 
big cry out from the fandom for people wanting animated styled figures. And uh, it's pretty cool. I know that the, the teaser image from Mech Ideas had um, basically a Super Mario uh, screen with, uh, with a couple characters, you know, walking along. And it's very likely that this will be a, a, a repaint or maybe even the, the, the pre, the pre, uh, the first paint of, uh, of, of these figures coming out in, uh, in a Mario and Luigi decal. Uh, we have a picture for, uh, for that that shows these guys in a, uh, from animated looking all Mario and, Ju- and Luigi like. Does anybody have any, uh, comments or thoughts on these guys? I think they look pretty sweet. I, I, I don't know if I'd be interested in getting them or not. I'm I'm curious about the Mario and Luigi decos, but I was never really all that big on animated. Okay. I was not sold on them until I saw the Mario and Luigi uh, deco. <laughs> <laughs> so that that looks pretty cool. But yeah, the the original figures I I liked animated, but uh, at least these guys have kind of you know the construction worker schlub uh, body type. Yeah. <laughs> that just doesn't appeal to me, I guess. <laughs> well, they definitely hit the nail on the head with the stylings. Um, it, it, there's no way to argue that these are not animated styled. Um, and that's pretty cool. I mean, like I said, there's been a real cry out for more animated styled stuff from the uh, third-party companies. And uh, as far as I know, that uh, this is the first one that's come out. I, I haven't seen anybody do any anything yet. Uh, so that'd be pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that's all I've got on this guy. Okay. Uh, Jeremy, what do you have for us? Uh, I got a couple things. Um, I'm going, I'm not even going to try to say the name of the site that had, that had these images. It's a Brazilian web store and they had, um, product listings of Hero Masters, um, Grimlock, Starscream, Optimus Prime, and some other figures like Bludgeon. But they're all kind of basic looking i mean in terms of the characters some of them are movie style some of them are g1 style but the one that's getting the most attention right now is grimlock who's just it it looks like a mish mishmash of both like it's colored kind of like the animation but it's more movie like in terms of the overall look and uh, people seem to be going nuts about them it doesn't look like these are transforming figures either it looks like they're just very basic little figures. So these are the ones like you pull their limbs off and you can mix and match their limbs? Right. Because that's how you transform a transformer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they've had these small little like PVC type figures in the past. These just have that gimmick where you can mix and match like arms and legs and stuff like that. I think these are the same um, figure type as those Marvel ones that, that came out not too long ago. Where you can like mix and match the different like Spider-Man and Iron Man and Doctor Doom character parts around. So I think these are the same engineering figure type, just with the Transformers branding. Yeah, probably. Um, I, I see on the TFW thread about it, someone posted a picture of um, some of the Marvel ones, mm. and since Hasbro does both, I'm sure that's what it is. Yeah, which means you know some crossplay action going on there. Yeah, there you go. You that could have um, Spider-Man's head sticking on top of Bumblebee's body. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I wonder if this, the one that they, they say is bludgeon isn't the movie drift. Cause wasn't the drift in the movie supposed to look like a samurai and the, the guy's face doesn't have the skull face like the, the G1 bludgeon has. He actually looks like there's an Autobot logo in the chest too. Yeah. So you might be right. 
hey, that might be a good opportunity for a, a Shapeways item. There you go. Make a skull face. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other op- um, thing I found, um, the same distributor has also released um, pictures of some new My- uh, Mr. Potato Head um, figures. You know, we've had like Optimash Prime in the past, and um, it looks like they've they have some new um, a new version of Optimus Prime, but they also have a Grimlock one. And when my wife saw it, she she just went nuts. And you know, I know I'm gonna have to get it for. Her. What do you guys think? <laughs> Ed Grimlock looks pretty cute. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny and it's G1 esque. I like right. that. So that's you know, uh, I think it's fun. Something I can give to my kid and not worry that she's gonna break it. You know, whatever. It's fun. Yeah, they also have more traditional uh, Mr. Potato Head kits where. It looks like you just get the armor, and they have like a Bumblebee, a Grimlock, a Prime, and a Starscream. And um, it's that second picture on the T Formers page here. And you know, I'm more of a fan of the first one, um, but you know, these are these will be probably be pretty popular too. I thought that they had came with like both parts, you know, so you can kind of swap out different parts um, to kind of pseudo transform them. Oh, from like bot to alt mode. That might be what these new ones do. The, the first ones they they had out, like the ones that from years ago, was just the robot looking. Oh well, yeah, mode. yeah. So yeah, if, if these if these have um, both parts, I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think just based on the the picture I saw of um, of Starscream, it looked like he came with both parts. Okay, well that that makes me even more interested in them. <laughs> yeah. So um, the last thing I got is. Uh, FunPub has released the first exclusive for their BotCon box set, and it's um, Cannonball, who is the the leader of the um, the Star Seekers faction, which is the the pirate faction in the ongoing fiction. And from you know reading the um, the novels that have been coming out, I always thought Thundertron was the leader, but I guess they couldn't use Thundertron, so they're they're making Cannonball the leader, and the the actual character was a Cybertron character, um, and they're they're using the Prime Ratchet figure as the base to customize it into the Cannonball figure, and you know it looks like they did a fairly good job in terms of making the um, the figure recognizable as the character. Yeah, I think it looks pretty good too. Um, I have that Prime Ratchet and. Uh... And yeah, it, it definitely looks decent in the uh, in the botcon um, repaint. Um, I've never been one for expensive repaints, but uh, but this one doesn't look too bad, especially when you compare it to the one that uh, was the original. You look at the original one and you're like, okay, well, it wasn't that old, and you know, it's it, it doesn't have a lot of fiction behind it. But uh, you look at them here in his original state, and, and yeah, they they didn't really do that bad of a job. You know, he's still got a lot of the same elements. Yeah, and they have said on Twitter that this is going to be the only Prime figure in the set, and they hinted that they were going to use some classics, and I think they said some Energon um, figures in in the set. They just kind of in hashtags they mentioned those those two lines. So yeah, that's all I got. I really like the the head sculpt on him. It's great. I'm not real keen on the the scalpel accessories, but <laughs> oh, just think of them as daggers. <laughs> Yar. 
All right, Yoshi, what do you have for us? Uh, I got two things. Um, uh, the first one is, as it turns out, there's going to be an exclusive at the Tokyo Toy Show this year, uh, a repaint of MP18 Blue Streak, which uh, I believe they're calling MP18B. And uh, it's an interesting repaint. It definitely screams 80s to me. Um, yeah. What do you guys think of the paint job, Daryl? Well, well, we don't we don't have an actual confirmation on the paint job, but yet, but it is um, like it is rumored that it's going to be this this crazy toy show Tokyo toy show blue streak from the eighties. Which, yeah, oh yeah, this is eighties for sure, man. <laughs> like, like wow. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's cool. I mean, it's definitely not something that I'm going to run out and pick up. Um, but uh, it's that is that's super eighties. Um, I'm just looking at this this picture of him in robot and alt mode, and the alt mode's got like the the miscolored doors and the miscolored fender, and everything's like there's 15 different colors on this guy, and it's it's just a mess. But because because we established earlier, you take parts from other transformers to to make transformers these days. Yes, <laughs> that's why all the colors don't match. That's right. And if they were to actually redo that on a masterpiece and all these mismatched colors, I would give them huge props for going to that extra uh, level of detail. But, the, <laughs> you know, because it is not going to sell very well, <laughs> but but they would be they would get a huge props from me for for sticking it out and saying, yeah, we know the thing was looked like a piece of shit. And yeah, it we don't care. This is what it was supposed to look like then. And we don't. We, and this is what it's supposed to look like now. I wonder how many of these suckers they're going to make. Four. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. It really looks great. You want to buy one? Hell no. No. I mean, even as a kid, it always bothered me that Blue Streak was gray and black. I never understood that. Why Why do you name the guy Blue Streak? And I mean, I know they had the whole joke about talking a Blue Streak, but it was just like, I never I never understood that. It does yeah. not compute. <laughs> All right, and uh, I also have news. Um, the U.S. release of uh, Masterpiece Sunstorm um, kind of leaked out, if I if I read this correctly. Um, it's going to be another Toys R Us exclusive, and it's going for $74.99, which is what um, Acid Storm went for. Um, and we've got links to, to some information that uh, you can you can track it on the uh, Toys R Us website for whenever it, it, it it's going to come up. But I bet you it's going to be closer to Christmas, don't you think, Daryl? Yeah, yeah. But uh, he looks pretty badass. And I I mean he's he's Acid Storm, but yellow. Yeah, he's and it's the MP11 mold, so it's the good one. Yes. Yeah, and uh, and I mean yeah, they're just they're making use of these <laughs> this uh, Seeker mold for sure. Uh, I will. I will probably get this, and this will be my very first seeker. Yeah, I, I didn't get Acid Storm. I have Sun- Thundercracker, and I have I have Skywarp, which is the old mold. Urgh. But but uh, but the Sunstorm. I don't know. I, I I like I like the 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 bright yellow. It uh, it's it's kind of grown on me over the years. But I don't know. It's it's one of those things like. Uh, I wish they would have used the opportunity if they if Toys R Us was going to carry two. Uh, this year, I wish they would have gone with something that wasn't that hasn't been remade fourteen times already. Yeah, how about that sideswipe? Yeah, one of those. But I think sideswipe. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost certain sideswipe's going to Walmart. There's just no actual confirmation yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, there's still Acid Storms out there. Like I, my local Toys R Us still has a, a. You know, I've seen 
a bunch of acid storms sitting there, and they don't seem to be moving. So no, they're too expensive. Yeah, clearance. Once they go clearance, pick them up. So I'll one buy of these one guys from you, Charles. Big lots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yoshi, you want you want me to ship one to Alaska? If you can, if you find one that's on clearance, I'll I'll happily buy it from you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now they're they're still selling them for full price. The last time I checked, but right. yeah, I'll I'll keep looking. All right, so uh, I guess we'll wrap it up with me. So I have a couple of items. Uh, the first is something that uh, has been on our radar already. So uh, we had a talk a couple of months ago about the big leak from Hasbro's website with a bunch of toys coming up, and one of those was a Generations Jetfire. And uh, also, I think last week, uh, Daryl, when you were you were watching, uh, was it Pia's live stream? Uh, Optobotomus. Oh, Optobotomus. I'm sorry, uh, Optobotomus's live stream, and he was talking about how he had actually seen the jet fire that was coming out, and uh, now we actually have some pictures that leaked from uh, from an eBay auction that has since been taken down, but uh, TFW 2005 got the pictures, and. Uh, it, and like I, I think Daryl, you said yeah, uh, last week that it looks like the uh, the toy in uh, in jet mode and the cartoon model in robot mode. Yeah, and uh, that's exactly what this is here. Yeah. So one one point for Optobotomus for not lying to us. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, when I look at the pictures, I wonder like what's going on with Jetfire's chest because when you see the plane mode. The you know the the fuselage for the plane mode doesn't look like what's on his chest. So is it like I guess a faux chest, like you know, like some of the animated figures had? That's what I've heard. Yeah, I bet it's inverted. It's just you know they've had to go back around right. and invert the thing. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, it look, definitely looks pretty cool. Um, you know, I'm, so I'm sorry, Daryl. Excuse me, Yoshi. Sorry, Daryl. I'm talking Didn't about a toy. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say I'm, I'm just I'm in love with this toy. Um, every day when or every time we record the podcast, I sit here at the desk, and my G1 Jetfire sits here on my uh, on my right hand side. And Rub it in. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so awesome in its G1 goodness. Um, but no, it's just it's time. It's time to get a new good Jetfire. Classics Jetfire came out, and that was, for the longest time, that was the standard. And it wasn't that great of a standard. Um, but everyone needed a Jetfire, so that's what they took. But this one here looks so good. I'm so excited for this thing. So, uh, Jeremy, you posted this picture. Is this is this the Classics Jetfire compared yeah, think, to the new I picture? I think it's actually the Classics one. It, just, it was on a, a 4chan thread about the figure. Okay. Yeah, that's it. It looks pretty good. So uh, I'm just wondering when it's going to be out. Is it going to be at the end of the year, or sometime this year, or maybe even next year? I don't know. It's supposed to be out this year, okay. from what I've heard. Okay. I think. Um, oh, dang it! God, I was on second show. <laughs> P- uh, Proto Man. Yeah, Proto Man. Yeah, sorry. He was on Twitter last night um, talking about this, and I think he said that this was going to be one of the Botcon reveals. It's probably why they've been all over this thing. Right. So um, maybe, I, I would think if it was supposed to be revealed at BotCon, it probably would have been maybe around Christmas release. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to make Christmas really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Two uh, big leader leader class figures, a couple masterpiece figures. You're not going to have enough time, not enough money to buy presents for anybody. <laughs> 
So I'm one, is, is there any issues with them using like the jet mode? That's, I guess, the Valkyrie jet mode? Is that, is Depends that an on issue? how many lawyers they have. Well, <laughs> that's, a, I was thinking about that too, and I'm looking at it here, and I'm like, can they really copyright the F-14 Tomcat design? Yeah, I guess that's true. Well, it, it's not exactly the F-14. If you look at the, the tail, the... Um, no, but it's definitely not the, uh, it's definitely not the, the Valkyrie design either. Yeah, well, I think I'm wondering if you know Hasbro recently had that settlement with Harmony Gold about the the Sky Striker, um, you know, the San Diego right. Comic Con yep. GI Joe um, Transformers crossover figure, and I wonder if, as part of that settlement, they also got permission to do another, you know, Jetfire type figure. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is the last one we'll ever get. To be the, the Until lo- Hasbro buys how many goals? Yeah, yeah. What What do you think, Christian? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to step on anybody. Um, I don't know. Uh, like like you were mentioning, Charles, the the fuselage really bothers me. The the cockpit, you know, clearly it looks like a faux chest. You know, it doesn't yeah. look like it's the same uh, the same cockpit as you're seeing in, in jet mode. Um, in fact, some of the parts look completely different. So I'm um, at, at first blush, I'm wondering if it's like a custom, you know, maybe it's not a, a legit leaked picture. Um, but if that is it, you know, that'd be awesome. I'm, I'd definitely be in line to pick it up. Um, I also really like the alternate head, um, option, you know, so you, if you like the, the G1 cartoon, you can go with that look, or if you want something that looks more like a battle roid, then it's not exactly so they can get away with it and not get sued, but it's close enough that Hey, I have a, a red marker. I can, you know, color in the visor, um, <laughs> which I will most likely do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll open up the the floodgates for you guys in third party to make a a G one styled head. Oh, absolutely. And I wouldn't be surprised in the least if uh, you know folks like um, Zenith Forge or uh, you know even Fake Busker are already, already mentally yeah. making plans for that. That's right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of um, a fake busker, have you seen his uh, face-off figure? Um, I was looking at his stuff a couple of weeks ago. I haven't, I haven't uh, looked right away, but no. Yeah, I just uh, posted a link to face-off the absturgent. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, so if you um, if you're a follower of more than meets the eye, you'll recognize this character as one of the the DJD. Yeah. Um, I believe the character only speaks in ancient Cybertronian. And uh, has the ability to take his face off and like tortures, you know, croc with it. Oh but, yeah, that's right. Wear the, my uh, face. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he would probably be friends but, with Movie Optimus Prime. Yeah, right. <laughs> Movie Optimus wouldn't know what to do with him, you know, because Movie Optimus goes to steal people's faces, and here this guy is freely giving it. <laughs> like, well, wait a minute. No, no, it doesn't work like that. I have to rip it off. That looks uh, pretty but, cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm personally absolutely blown away by the uh, the amount of engineering and the amount of um, just like moving parts and, and everything that he was able to to get into this. The, the final figure ends up being like scout size or um, uh, according small. to Fake Buster, yeah. it's like the size of a uh, um, like the Cyberverse commanders, like that size. Yeah. You know, and it's really technically cool. a target master because it, it changes into a sniper rifle, but the, uh, the amount of articulation on it, the amount of moving parts on it that uh, allow it to transform from one form to the other just blows my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that he's really raised the bar for, for us, uh, Shapeways guys. Yeah. 
do you think that uh, some company would, might, like, similarly to uh, um, Echo, uh, would pick this thing up and, and make it legit? I don't know. Um, I know that when I, I, I talked to him while he was designing this, and he said that, you know, it, it wasn't being designed for mass production. Um, okay. or, or at least it wasn't being designed with mold injection molding in mind. Okay. Um, so it'd have to be, a lot of the parts would have to be completely redesigned um, for that manufacturing process. Yeah. So, no, it looks very cool. It does. I would love to see this thing mass produced mm-hmm. and get this in, you know, in like high quality, like ABS. Yeah. Especially if it was fully painted and I didn't have to do that myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that looks awesome. All right. I have, I have just one more thing, and this was something that I thought was really cool because it combines Transformers with video games. And so this is a Mega Drive Megatron. So. Uh, for anyone who has played the Sega Genesis back in the 90s in Japan, uh, that was called the Mega Drive. And Takara Tomy is releasing a Megatron that transforms into a Sega Genesis. That's so cool. I love that and... he has 16-bit right on his belly. Yeah. <laughs> now, is there going to be a Super Famicom Optimus? <laughs> That'd be awesome. Well, uh, Nintendo's in, in dire straits now, so they might be looking to license their IP off. To make some more money. <laughs> That's so cool. It needs to play a game too. Just <laughs> just one little game. Put a little game on a chip or something like that, and bury it in the figure somewhere, and just be able to plug it in uh, to a TV and just pay it. Play like I don't know, Pac Man or something off of it. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> so because this uh, you, can play, Wonder Fest- you can play Pac Man on the Super Fam on the um, on the Mega Drive. It has to be like uh, Altered Beast. <laughs> or Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So if you look at the CG of it, it almost looks like a um, like a flash drive sticking out of his fusion cannon. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you plug it into your computer right there, and you know, play your Sonic. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Maybe that's what it does. But um, because this was at Wonderfest, does that mean that the, this is actually licensed by um, by Hasbro? Well, it's licensed by Takara, right? Or Takara? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, so it's a, it's Takara Tomy uh, making it, and they are partnering with Sega to produce it. So it's a it's a legit product. That's so awesome. Some of the guys for these Wonderfest um, releases get like a, a one day license, don't they? Right, that's what so I was wondering. Like like one of those kind of things. I'm also really interested to know what that is pictured to the left of Megatron, but I haven't been able to find any pictures blown up of that. Yeah, I don't know. At least the, the, the poster looks like a brainstorm, kind mm-hmm. of. Looks like a, like some sort of power suit. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, I think that'll, that'll wrap up the toy section and, uh, we're going to move on to comics. All right. So for comics this week, we have, uh, a couple of reviews, but first I just want to mention that, uh, the Revolutionary War Death's Head 2 comic is coming out, or that came out last week by the time this podcast goes up. So uh, if you want to get some sweet, sweet art by Nick Roche, you know, I think it's one of his dream, one of, was one of his dreams to draw Death's, a Death's Head comic, and that's coming true. So uh, I think we all, we all like Nick Roche's art, so we want to support him. So uh, you should definitely pick that book up. All right, so uh, we've got... Uh, one review this week for Robots in Disguise, number 26, and this is Dark Cybertron, Chapter 9. 
And uh, it's been nice. They've been rolling out the Dark Cybertron comics uh, pretty quickly, so we haven't had to wait very long between chapters. So let's get into Chapter 9, where lots of momentous things happen. Uh, just to start off, we've got uh, three covers. Uh, the first cover is by Casey Collar and features Optimus Prime versus Optimus Prime. What is going on? <laughs> Uh, I don't know, but that image is definitely awesome. <laughs> uh, the second cover is by Phil Jimenez, and that is the Generations toy version of Whirl. And you can tell it's it's very much the toy model of Whirl and not the uh, more-than-meets-the-eye uh, character model. And the third uh, cover is uh, the Livio Remondelli rendition of Metroplex versus the Necrotitan, and they are squaring off. And rendered lovingly by uh, Livio in his, his in his signature style. So, uh, which covers are are we liking this week? Uh, I I really like the Casey Collar uh, Casey Collar cover. The um, I'm confused for the second weekend in a row. Confused by the um, the I'm going to call it the pack in cover because last week was tailgate and this one's whirl. And neither the tailgate figure, which is Legends, or the world figure, which is Voyager, come with comics. I don't know what's going on. My brain can't process <laughs> why they're doing this. <laughs> so I'm a bit confused here. So hopefully when, when all this finally comes to fruition and uh, this book is actually coming out in the, you know, with a toy, uh, I'll, I'll know why. Because I'm, I'm just trying to figure it out right now and I don't get it. And the third cover, the the Metroplexes uh, and the Metro, the Metroplex and Metro Titan just or Necro Titan just going at it. That's a cool looking cover. It's I'll have to see it in uh in the store to uh, to check out like the covers and what it looks like. But uh, I probably am going to end up going with uh, the dueling primes, uh, the Casey's cover. All right, Jeremy, what do you think? Well, I'm kind of inclined to like the Livio cover, but there's just something about that the Necro Titan's arm in the foreground that just looks off to me. And I mean, it's just, I don't know, just the, the direction and everything. It just, it looks kind of weird. So I think I would go also with the, the Casey cover. All right. Yoshi. Um, you know, something that's happened since you guys started me, uh, reading the dark Cybertron series is that I, I, one of the, I never paid attention to, to artists or colorists. It was just something I never did. And I've, I've been paying attention to them, not only with uh, the Transformers series, but with other series. And Casey is by far one of my favorite artists. But because I really don't, I'm not a fan of this version of Optimus Prime, I think my favorite cover is the Titans battling. So, uh, Ramondelli, uh, I really like it. Oh, that's a surprise. I thought it was going to be a clean sweep because I am also picking the Casey Collar cover. Kate, you but, know, uh, his, his drawing is fantastic. I'm just not sold on this interpretation of Optimus Prime. Okay, I have, fair I have, enough. I have no no corrective advice or, 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 or thought on it. I, there's nothing wrong with it. I just don't like this rendering of Prime. I've just, through the whole series, it's been like, I should say Orion Pax. I don't like this rendering of Orion Pax. It's just, it's mm -hmm. my personal taste. I'm still stuck in the old school world, which you guys are trying very hard to pull me out of. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I definitely, I, I, um, am definitely a fan of, uh, Casey Collar's art as well. And 
I really like uh, this Prime versus Prime cover here. So that's that's my pick. So cool. All right, so let's get into the issue. Uh, so this is Robots in Disguise. So uh, it's written by John Barber and James Roberts. Art by Andrew Griffith and Livio Ramondelli. Yay, return of Andrew Griffith. <laughs> Colors by Josh Perez and Livio Ramondelli. And letters by Tom B. Long. And edited by Carlos Guzman. So very happy to see the return of the regular Robots in Disguise artist, uh, friend of the show, Andrew Griffith, back on the comic. Also happy to see two artists, not three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we, we're... We're in two locations now instead of three, so that's why. That's true. <laughs> and that return of uh, Andrew Griffith's art is no more noticeable than right away, right on that first page. It's like a nice warm hug welcoming you back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll skip the previously page because we just did Chapter 8 last week, so uh, I'm sure you're all caught up. If not, listen to the show. <laughs> And on the roll call, uh, I think it's worth mentioning that we have Windblade uh, in the roll call now with all the other uh, characters. Uh, we had Chromia and Nautica were added last week, and now Windblade has also been added. And uh, I think everybody else was already there. Nova Prime is kind of down there with the other Dead Universe people, but the font, like the circle looks the same color, but the font's different. There's definitely one noticeable addition to this that uh, you're passing over fairly laxidatively. Uh, second line beside Jaxus. Oh, Bludgeon. Bludgeon is in this thing now. And I, I when I saw that, I was like, where the hell did he come from? <laughs> so I, I read through this thing um, very, very quickly looking for the Bludgeon parts because he's, he's very cool. Yeah, but he's he's kind of a blink and you'll miss him. He doesn't really do much. Very in this much issue. so. Very much so. I missed him. Well, we'll we'll point him out when we get there. Thank you. I need like a read by numbers for this comic book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we we start off. Uh, we're on Cybertron. The Necro Titan is still smashing up uh, Iacon. And here's that nice warm hug. <laughs> And the Starscream is uh, talking to Scoop and, you know, making sure that they're getting all the citizens out of the city and uh, leading them to the Autobot camp so that they can they can be safe. And Starscream is lamenting the fact that Rattrap is helping lead that effort and he's complaining that he's scheming while he's, uh, you know, on his last legs. He's got that death plague that the Necro Titan sent out. So, you know, he's uh, he's complaining that Rattrap is going to take over. While Scoop is berating him, you know, stop, stop scheming, stop, uh, you know, and feel some remorse because you're the reason the Dark Prophecy has done all this stuff. And basically, you know, why <laughs> he's Scoop is trying to be Starscream's conscience, but of course, Starscream doesn't really have one, so he's just uh, continues his complaining until he looks up. There's a bright flash of light, and right in the middle of the city appears. And a giant two-page spread, Metroplex and the Lost Light. And Metroplex is laying into the Necro Titan. And so the Necro Titan is a little bit surprised and he, you know, gets, gets, a, gets smashed by Metroplex. And we have our title for this chapter. Uh, hope I'm saying this right. Uh, Fini Temporis, which I think just. Well, Latin, it would be like Finis. Latin pronounces the S's. 
What is, okay, is that so Final Storm? I think it's End Times, isn't it? Yeah, Temporis would be uh, time. Oh, yeah. yeah, fuck, what do I know? So Cl- Close, <laughs> Yoshi. Close. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Finis Temporis. And- Thank you to my high school Latin. <laughs> I really like this picture for one specific reason. Well, two, the, the epicness of the battle between the, the giant robots, but the small little seeker that's right <laughs> underneath the Necro-Titan's head. He's right in the middle of our watermark here. But I'm like, that's giving you a, the scale of these guys. Well, if you look, you can also see on the previous page, um, you can see uh, Laserbeak. And on the page of the Seeker, you have Swoop and uh, whatever that, that yellow... Um, I think that's Buzzsaw, isn't Buzzsaw. it? Buzzsaw. Okay. So, I mean... And I, I think that that's... Blitzwing, isn't it? I don't it, think it's it a seeker. Be. It's so small, I can't yeah. tell. <laughs> These guys are so big. Because I think all the seeker, at least Skywarp was the last seeker who was around, and he like faded out of existence, right? It's true. Might be, might so, be Blitzwing, but Blitzwing yeah. didn't he get his ass handed to him. I think that was Astro Train, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, that's true. But uh, you're you're right though with the whole sense of scale. That that's a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. uh the Lost Light crew is, uh, you know, at least Swerve is <laughs> Swerve is giving one-liners. I don't think anyone can hear him outside of the ship, but, you know, he's like, Hey, Cybertron, we're home. Did you miss us? And, uh, you know, uh, so Hound is like, okay, so Hound is, Hound is currently in command of the Lost Light, and he's uh, talking to Mainframe, who's piloting the ship, and says, okay, should we land or help Metroplex? What should we do? And Mainframe is like, yeah, you don't really have any option. <laughs> the only thing we can really do is crash. So the Lost Light crashes. Uh, it's a it's a controlled landing. I love the the way they wrote that the 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 sound of the crash. Scrunch, scrunch. But it's just it's. <laughs> oh, I love fonts. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, this this is Tom B. Long's work. I mean, he's he's definitely a veteran letterer for Transformers comics, and he does great work. So uh, the Lost Light crashes, and the bots on the ground take notice. So Bumblebee, Prowl, and Soundwave, uh, who's holding Megatron, all see, hey, it's the Lost Light. But Bumblebee says, wait, they died. For, for all the bots uh, on Cybertron, when the Lost Light left, it quantum jumped, but it, it exploded, and it looked like uh, that the ship had been destroyed. But we know that it hadn't, but the, these guys are just finding that out. Uh, and I, I like this line here when uh, Bumblebee says they died, and Megatron says, naive little Autobot, since when does anyone stay dead? So that's a, I think that's a message to all comic book uh, stories anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else hear a rim shot? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so meanwhile, uh, Ultra Magnus and, uh, a bunch of crew are still inside Metroplex. And, uh, Windblade is like, Lucy, you've got some explaining to do. <laughs> and, uh. <laughs> that was a good, that was good, Charles. Because he's a, cause she, uh, she's, she asked uh, Ultra Magnus, did you know that Metroplex would have to fight another Titan? And Magnus is like, no, no, but I think Mag, but I think somehow he did. And I guess the, you know, since I guess they're thinking since, uh, Metroplex teleported them right next to the, to the Necro Titan, he must have known that he was, uh, you know, he was coming in to help out. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Ultra Magnus gets a message from Whirl, who was still inside Metroplex fighting all the Ammonites. 
And he tells, uh, World tells Magnus, yeah, your plan worked. You said that when Metroplex teleported us home, he'd leave all the Ammonites behind. You're a genius. P.S. I'm being sarcastic. So, uh, so World, Skids, and Getaway are still fighting a bunch of minicons in there. They look like they're in trouble. Uh, so meanwhile, uh, Bumblebee, Prowl, Soundwave, and Megatron go to find out if the guys in the Lost Light are okay. Of course, they think Rodimus is still there. But Hound comes out to meet them with the Lost Light crew. And uh, you've got, uh, in the background, you see all all your favorites, uh, Chrome Dome, Rung, Swerve, Trail Cutter, Hoist, and Mainframe, I think, is in the back there. Who's that yellow guy? The small one. Uh, uh, that's Rung. Oh, that's Rung? Okay. I think. if you're Bumblebee, got- Yoshi. Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about the one um, fourth above one, Chrome Dome? Fourth one from the bottom. Yeah, that's wrong. Okay. He transforms into basically a bat. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he he hasn't he he's only been in like one of the Dark Cybertron chapters. He's only got a prominent role. So you have you haven't seen much of him. Uh and that the But truth. he's a big <laughs> 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 But uh, yeah, so uh we cut to the Dead Universe and uh we have Orion Pax versus Nova Prime, which we were promised in the last issue. And Nova Prime has got the upper hand at the moment. He's telling Orion Pax, you know, this ends here. I already control the dead universe and I'm going to rule yours. Cup is trying to cheerlead for pro- for Orion Pax. And, you know, one punch and he'll buckle like a tin can. Meanwhile, uh, Rodimus says, we'd help, but uh, we're busy with all the robo-zombies. So the sweeps are are keeping uh, Nightbeat, Cup, Cyclonus, and Rodimus at bay while Orion Pax fights um, fights Nova Prime. I like uh, how Orion Pax says, don't worry, Autobots, and then Cyclonus just has, just has a little cough under his breath. He's like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, sorry, Autobots and Cyclonus. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of Nova Prime. You know, um, seeing some parallels to the 86 movie in here where, you know, Cup is like cheering Prime on like he did in the Prime Megatron fight. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a nice little touch. You've cool. got the touch. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Orion Pax is very confident. He says, I've got this. But Nova Prime says, I don't think you know what you've got. And as he... There's a shimmer of light, and Nova Prime turns into Sentinel Prime, and then he he shifts again and turns into Zeta Prime. So he's seems like he can shape shift into all the different primes. What is and I going think if, on? <laughs> I think if you've seen the cover, you know what's coming next. So <laughs> we cut uh, back to Cybertron, and uh, you know we we have the crew of the Lost Light meeting up with all the. All these Cybertron bound, Cybertron bound Autobots and Decepticons, and they're getting up to speed. So the Lost Light crew think they that Bumblebee captured Megatron, and Bumblebee corrects them. Uh, I rescued Megatron, and then Megatron says, "You assisted me." I just like that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, Soundwave's like, "No, this is not important. Uh, you know, we've we've got to figure out what how to deal with the giant Titans fighting each other above us." And, uh, you know, the uh, Prowl says, where's Rodimus and Ultra Magnus? Why didn't you call us? And Hound says, we did call eventually, and Starscream answered. So Bumblebee, of course, is a, is embarrassed by that. 
And then we're talking that they're fig- trying to figure out what's, what's wrong with Metroplex. And as we found out last issue, Metroplex has a, has a plague. And so it's kind of eating him from the inside. Uh, but we were able to, to, uh, space bridge Metroplex back to Cybertron with the jump start from the lost light. But Metroplex seems to be reaching for the lost light and Megatron asks what's going on. Uh, and Bumblebee pipes up, you know, he's trying to protect us. It's an Autobot thing. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then Hound mentions that they found a piece of Metroplex uh, at part of his thumb, and it's inside the Lost Light. And Megatron asks, is that still there? And, you know, Hound says, yes. Why? And Bumblebee, uh, Megatron says, Bumblebee, I need a hand or rather, or at least part of one. So Megatron has, thinks that the thumb is the key to uh, helping Metroplex. So we cut back to the dead universe and Nova Prime or uh, actually after after he's shifted to Zeta Prime is is beating up on Optimus or Orion Pax I should say. And he's he's talking about how, you know, Cybertronians are superior to all other life forms and we should be masters of the universe. And Cup comes up, uh, you know, I guess he's broken free from all the Robo Zombies and he's like Zeta Prime, what happened to Nova Prime? And Nightbeat says they're one in the same. Nova said he could bend the universe to his will, and he meant it literally. So he can, I guess he can take on the likenesses of all the other dead primes, The leg- since he is a prime, and uh, he's linked to those. And, you know, he says, uh, the legacy of the primes lives inside of me. Uh, he also, he's, you know, he's playing some mind games with Orion Pax, he says, you admired Zeta Prime. He was your mentor. He made you what you are today, a Prime. And with that, there's another flash of light, and Zeta Prime shifts into another Optimus Prime and hits the real, or hits Orion Pax, you know, on the, on the head. So we shift back to Cybertron, and the Necro Titan and Metroplex are still going at it. Uh, the Necro Titan gets a good shot in on Metroplex that causes him to stumble, and he throws out his hand to balance himself, but that happens to be right above all the other uh, Cybertronians on the ground. So all the Autobots and Decepticons scatter out of the way. Uh, meanwhile, inside Metroplex, Brainstorm says, we need to get out of here. <laughs> uh, he doesn't like, uh, he says, the risk of imminent death always makes me really tetchy. Uh, and, mean, and he says, we need to go somewhere safe, but Chromia mentions uh, <laughs> there's nowhere really safe. It's wall-to-wall Titan ap- Apocalypse. And, uh, meanwhile, in the bowels of Metroplex, uh, Whirl, Skids, and Getaway are still fighting. And Whirl, Whirl has a line, yeah, when even I'm getting tired of fighting, he's getting worn down, that's when you know things are going badly. So, there's just too many of the anima- Ammonites for the three, uh, Autobots, but they're still fighting. I'm looking at this panel with all the, I'm gonna call it oil splattered on the walls and stuff. And I, mm-hmm. I just, I'm, I'm picturing, uh, River from the Serenity movie, just, these guys are just massacring them constantly. I mean, they're they're tired because there's so many of them, but it's just it's it's not really a battle. It's just it, the numbers, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just you know just too many for them. So we cut back to the dead universe, and Prime, the evil Prime, is uh, basically beating on Orion Pax, and uh, you know he's while he's getting some good shots in and monologuing and everything. Then Cyclonus, uh, Cyclonus comes in and hits him from behind. 
hits the evil prime from behind and says, Nightbeat really, Whitebeat was right, you really all are the literal type, because he's all talking about how, uh, you know, he's telling the Orion Pax, I'm what you could, what you could be if you gave in, if you stopped resisting. So meanwhile, while Cyclonus is keeping, uh, the evil prime busy, Rodimus comes over to help, uh, Orion Pax up. And Orion Pax is kind of broken now. He's no longer super confident. And, but Rodimus says, you can, you can do it. You're Optimus. But Orion says, no, don't even say it. If I'm a prime, I'm no better than Nova. So Orion Pax really is struggling with the, the legacy of the primes. He doesn't want to be a prime anymore. And that's causing his, uh, his self doubt, I guess. So we cut back to the Lost Light on Cybertron, and Bumblebee has gotten Megatron to the thumb fragment, and Megatron says, oh, I, you know, I, my body was once infused as one of Shockwave's ores, and so I can feel the same thing inside the thumb of Metroplex, and this might be the key to helping Metroplex uh, get his strength back. So uh, Bumblebee says, is it, is it the ore from Earth? And Megatron says no, but it's a different ore, but it might be, but Metroplex might be able to use it. So I have a, since I have a space bridge inside me, I can teleport the thumb to Metroplex and get him to use it. Uh, so Megatron starts to teleport and Bumblebee asks, Hey, wait a minute. You're not just going to take it to Luna 2, which is this, the Cybertronian moon, like you said before, and leave the Necrotitan to finish us off and then come back and invade afterwards. And Megatron just smirks as a, at him as he starts to disappear. Like a pimp, so. he vanishes. <laughs> <laughs> so Bumblebee's left there <laughs> to wonder if Megatron is going to be their savior or just going to leave them to die. And we cut back to the dead universe, and Evil Prime has uh, gotten his strength back and gotten uh, and has fought off Cyclonus, so he's back up. Meanwhile, uh, Rodimus is trying to give Orion a pep talk. Uh, you know, he's saying, you know who I wanted to be all my life? And, and Orion says, yes, you wanted to be Rodimus Prime. And I'm sorry that makes you a fool. You actively want to be a prime after the damage wrought by my predecessors. And Rodimus, uh, you know, says, no, you're wrong. I didn't want to be Rodimus Prime. I wanted to be you, the real you, not Orion Pax. You know, so he's, he talks about how even though the primes were corrupt, Optimus Prime always embodied the best and brightest of the Cybertronian people and, you know, he set the example. Um, so, you know, he's, he's just given him a pep talk of, you know, about how even though the lineage was corrupt, Optimus really represented the best and brightest. So, you know, he's, he's continues to give him a pep talk, but then, you know, evil prime is, is back, uh, and, uh, uh, shoots, uh, Rodimus in the chest. And of course that pisses off Orion Pax. He says, that was a mistake. And Evil Prime says, is that so? Perhaps my mistake was hoping you'd listen to reason. And he says, no matter, I've always felt the best thing about mistakes is correcting them as he tries to shoot Orion Pax. Uh, but uh, Orion Pax has gotten his mojo back and he starts laying some good shots in on uh, Evil Prime here. Uh, Evil Prime's still trying to get in his head and is talking to him like, in your anger, you forget I control this universe. But Orion Pax says, anger? No, it's not anger, I feel. It's confidence. Confidence that creatures like you really never really have the control you think you do. And with that, he rips off one of uh, Evil Prime's arms. And uh, But now now Evil Prime is starting to beg a little bit, so he's a little scared. He says, wait, listen to reason. Orion, please. And with that, Orion says, my name 
is Optimus Prime as he punches through the chest of Evil Prime. And with that, he reverts back to his Nova Prime form and he's, you know, all in pieces on the, on the ground. I love that you can even see part of the, the back of it of, of Nova Prime or I guess the Evil Optimus. So it kind of shows that he does punch all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how, uh, Tom B. Long made that lettering here when he says Optimus Prime. You know, it's very bold. You're back. He's back. He he came back from just like a normal voice to the full Peter Cullen voice. <laughs> right. <laughs> and in the background, Rodimus says, Amen to that. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, even though they defeated Nova Prime, but they're still kind of stuck in the dead universe. So we'll have to find out what happens to them next issue. So we cut back uh, to Cybertron, and Galvatron is having a a, a big uh, spasm of pain. Shockwave says, oh, you seem perturbed, Galvatron, and you're not still upset about Megatron escaping with the space bridge? And Galvatron says, no, I have a link to the dead universe, and I can feel that something's gone wrong. And so he f- he felt that Dover Prime was destroyed by Optimus Prime. And that he's free, and he's going to unravel our plan. And Shockwave says, our plan? There was never our plan. Uh, and none of us, most especially not Optimus Prime, need worry about being free any longer. Uh, and he tells uh, Shockwave orders Metalhawk to dispose of Waspinator, because he was a coward when, he, when Megatron uh, escaped. He didn't try to stop them. Waspinator tries to plead his case, please don't hurt me. But, you know, Metalhawk just says, as you command. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Giaxis contacts Shockwave. I guess he's, you know, in another, maybe in his ship, in his lab somewhere else. And he says, uh, this is a minor setback. We'll find another way. But Shockwave says, no, prepare your machine. And Giaxis says, yeah, that was ready hours ago because time is of the essence. Uh, so we cut back to Iacon where the Necro Titan is, has got Metroplex on the ropes. Bumblebee is driving out of the lost light and Prowl says, Bumblebee, what happened? And, um, where's Megatron? And Bumblebee says, yeah, I think he ran. <laughs> he took the thumb and ran. And Prowl's like, damn it, you should have never gone back for him. And Bumblebee has really had enough of Prowl second guessing him and is, you know, he, he even grabs him by the throat like uh, Homer Simpson choking Bart. But just as, uh, you know, as he's about to do, as he's, uh, you know, talking about how I just made a choice. Meanwhile, Starscream is, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, gotten away from the battle and he's, he's asking Scoop, you know, do, does your, does your prophecy say anything about, you know, what's happening? And Scoop lays out a bunch of, uh, a bunch of, uh, poetic words that seem to be telling the story of what's happening right now. So the, looks like the dark prophecy is continuing to come true. Where we have, uh, you know, city against city while the planet turns from gold to gray and gray to black. No yesterday, no tomorrow. And as, uh, Scoop continues narrating prophecy, we see inside Metroplex, uh, Whirl, Skids, and Getaway are getting overwhelmed by the Ammonites. And it looks like the Ammonites pull both arms off of Skids. That looks pretty painful. And, uh, Met- inside Metroplex's head, uh, Magnus, and the other guys, uh, Windblade, Chromia, Nautica, and Brainstorm, and Perceptor, a bunch of other guys, are, looks like things are, are going, are pretty much at the end. And Magnus mentions to Brainstorm, if you, if you have something that can save us in that briefcase, you better open it now. Uh, but he doesn't get the chance. 
and uh Shockwave is watching all this from his within his uh base on a monitor. And so we see that Megatron actually teleports into Metroplex's hand so he didn't abandon them and he yells to Metroplex, "I have what you need. Take it, Metroplex, take it." And Metroplex closes his fist on the fragment of his thumb and the ore that's inside that fragment, I guess, uh, rejuvenates Metroplex and Met- we have that nice little panel of Metroplex smiling. And he's got, uh, you know, he's, he's got his groove back and he drives his fist into the Necro Titan and it causes a reaction that destroys the Necro Titan and also reverses the death plague that was inside Metroplex and also on the people of Iocon. So, you know, I did, I, I missed the whole or part of that, the first, you know, until this time I read it. Now, now things make a lot more sense. I, I thought it was just like some magic, you know, he, he punched him. He had his thumb back, he punched him, and by magic, everything was cured. But <laughs> having the ore makes more sense. Yeah, but I, I still have a question, though, because they didn't, they don't say which ore it is or how this ore kind of counteracts the effects of the other ores. It's, well, it's still it's a little... I think it's the regeneration ore. I thought they oh, said maybe. it was ore 13. No, he said it w- w- wasn't ore 13. That's the oh. ore that they had on Earth. Yeah. Yeah, but whatever it is, it it basically cures Metroplex and cures everybody else. And since Metroplex uh, has cured the plague, that means he's rejuvenated and his immune system is rejuvenated. So that means uh, Metroplex's uh, internal systems can fight off all the Ammonites. So that saves World Skids and Getaway. Uh, Skids are still missing both arms, though, so he'll have to get those reattached. I love Um, World's line about the Ammonites thing. They're deader than a duobot. Yeah. <laughs> Making a reference back to the first, um, more than ECI. Yeah, where we, we had the two duo bots who were both unfortunately killed. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, everyone's, uh, taking stock. You know, everyone's happy that, uh, they're all surviving. And in addition to, uh, you know, banishing the plague and everything, we, we get the, get the sunrise and, you know, everything's happy. Back at the Autobot camp, you see, uh, Astro Train looking at the dawn and all the Constructicons, you know, uh, looking. Yeah, pr- and I can't. I, I'm not sure which Constructicon it is, but he he thinks basically he thinks Prowl must have <laughs> must have come up with something. So the Constructicons apparently are are still enamored with Prowl that they think he does everything for the Autobots. Also, uh, Starscream gets a little gets the plague that was on him that gets healed too. So, and he says Star he. I guess you could say Starscream has finally seen the light, which I doubt very much, but. <laughs> and, uh, finally, uh, after Metroplex, uh, did everything, I guess Megatron was, uh, able to get away from inside Metroplex's fist and, but he was still a little damaged. Yeah, he was and, like, he was like Metroplex's fistful of quarters for that punch. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Uh, but, but, you know, he's, Bumblebee runs over and he says, Bumblebee, you, you were correct. The good guys did win. But don't be so sure about that because, uh, Shockwave has still got a plan. So Galvatron's complaining that we failed. The Dark Titan has fallen. The prophecy is false. Nova's gone. And Cybertron does not want a new golden age. And, and Shockwave's like, Cybertron didn't want the first golden age. And it's time you learn this has never been about restoring some ancient royalty to an imagined throne. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So now we see Shockwave's real plan is is about to be un- be unfolded. So he's talking about how he seeded the ores and 
Now, you know, some of not not all of them took root, but the rest have returned to Cybertron. And we see in that panel there's a picture of all the planets that uh, the ores that Cyber, that Shockwave shot off are sent to. So I, I recognize one pan one one of those panels is the the crystal planet that Cup was stranded on for a while. Not sure about a couple. Well, maybe you see Gorlam Prime, where you, you see the little ship. Oh uh, yeah, I'm guessing the one below that is Earth. Yeah. Oh, and uh, one thing I, when when Shockwave is talking to Geaxis, you can see Metalhawk is pushing Waspinator away, covering his mouth. So it looks like Metalhawk isn't necessarily following all of Shockwave's orders because he ordered Shockwave or Shockwave ordered Metalhawk to kill uh, Waspinator, but it looks like Metalhawk is leaving with Waspinator. I'm not sure about that, but that, that's that's my yeah. guess. Uh, and Geaxis and Geaxis says. With Nova Prime's control severed, we're ready to harness the primal forces of the dead universe. All its energy. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) There he is. (laughs) Standing right next to G-Axis. Yep. So they're going to channel all the energy from the dead universe from the dawn of creation to the end of time shall fuel our final victory. And Shockwave says, and you, Galvatron, I believe you said something about a link. And Galvatron doesn't look happy about that. Because it looks like he's going to be doing what Megatron did earlier and be a conduit for the dead universe. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued in Transformers More Than Meets the Eye, number 27. And that's it. I enjoyed it, but part of me is still perturbed that we still don't know Shockwave's real plan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're at chapter 9. I, I, I think they waited just a bit too long. I mean, basically, this this is telling us that everything that happened in chapters one to eight was just a distraction for Shockwave to keep all the other characters busy while he he got his real plan in place. Which is, I don't know, it just seems like they drew they they're drawing it out a little long. I don't know. That's what bothers you the most. Well, what bothers you? Well, all right. I don't care how much ore is in the tip of some robot's thumb. That that was really a lot of of make believe to swallow for me. Uh, maybe I don't understand or that well. I mean, granted, I am just jumping into this, but that that was the best part of that though was uh, Megatron being the fistful of quarters for Metroplex. <laughs> no, Yoshi, you're right. I mean, it is a it's kind of a big uh, Deus Ex Machina. You know, it's it. I mean. The, the thumb was, it has been set up in like the, that they, that the Lost Light guys had the thumb of Metroplex. That's been set up for a while. Right. But, uh, there was never any mention before that it had like part of this ore, uh, which is, and the ores have become kind of like the magic juice that just makes magic things happen. And so that, that's, I, I, I agree with you. That's, it's a, and especially if this is meant to be a self-contained story. That part just really is really confusing for, I mean, for me, who's read all the stuff, it's still a bit confusing. And I can see for a new reader, it's confusing and kind of, you know. I, I can't imagine there's much left of Iacon. So Metroplex is going to transform into a city and boom, that's solved for a while. Uh, I don't know. That I mean, it, 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 ah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like I said, on my first readings, I I thought that they were just it was like just you know magic and it happened. So it it really does need a little bit more explanation. Yeah, I like the book. 
I thought, I mean, I'm not, I'm not getting so wrapped up in the story. Um, the story's going to go the way it's going to go. And then after the whole thing is done, then, then I might pick it apart and say, why didn't you do this then? And why is this done? And why is this, you know, still unanswered? Right. Right. So at that point, yeah, maybe I'll pick it apart a little bit more than I'm judging each book right now as a, as single issued, you know, self-contained. And up until the last couple issues, the whole series has been boring. But these last couple issues, this one especially, it's been pretty action-packed. And I've been enjoying it. This this last issue I actually really liked. Yeah, I mean, I think overall it really had lots of great scenes in it. It's just, I mean, and I think this is the problem that Yoshi's having is that the major kind of plot device that, you know, is the savior that saves the day is just not really well explained. But I definitely, I, I enjoy the, the scenes with the Metroplex versus the Necro Titan, the scenes with Prime versus Evil Prime. I, that was all good stuff. Yes. The, the character moments were, I think, were really good. Yeah. I, I think it might be a, something we should talk about when all this is done. Just maybe do a show where we focus on the entire series as a whole and just look at everything in context. Yeah. Sure. And while I I am really happy that we got uh, Andrew Griffith back on art, one thing I will say is that the on a lot of these pages there's a lot of panels, like a lot of very small panels, and it I just wish that he had more space to work with, you know? Like I don't know if it maybe it look maybe it'll look better on the when we get the physical copies cuz we're just working off the review copy, but a lot of the a lot of the pages seem a little cramped, you know, with mm-hmm. so many panels on a single page. Yeah. And there's a, you know, there are a lot of characters that have to be drawn in these little panels. I agree. But, uh, and I definitely, uh, I, all the art and the, and the coloring I like as well. I don't know if the textures are still bothering you in this issue, Yoshi. You know, they are, but, and I, and this is something I shouldn't complain about because we're very lucky people, but this particular, with, with all the writing that they had to do and with the small panels, the watermark was driving me insane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we we really need to get and and it's hard for you because you don't you don't get the issues and probably won't get them until a little bit later. You could stop it, Alaska. probably won't. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that is Dark Cybertron Chapter Nine. So I think Chapter Ten is slated for March. So we've probably got a couple more weeks before that next chapter. And I noticed one thing here with our review copy is there's no teaser image for the next cover, so we don't have that. Yeah. I mean, if we did a little digging, we could probably find it online. But yeah, they're not uh, they're not giving it to us in this uh, in our review copy here. Yeah, I mean you can definitely dig up the solicits and get the text. Yeah. For the next for the teasing the next issue, but yeah, I don't know. Cool. All right. So, uh, yeah, that'll wrap up our review of Robots in Disguise number 26, and we are going to move on to our classic review. So, we are at issue number 21 of the Marvel U.S. comic, which introduces the fan-favorite Aerial Bots, Aerial Bots Over America. This, so far, I've done uh, 39 issues on my personal site so far, and this particular review and i don't think it has to do with my review at all in fact i'm gonna put good money on it that it doesn't but is the most viewed review i have and uh 
the only thing I can seem to attribute it to is there's a lot of aerial bot fans out there <laughs> because it is, it's ridiculous. I mean, this is, this is, it's a good issue. Uh, I, I, I've got very little bad to say about it. It's certainly not my favorite though. And I don't think it's fans favorites. I think it's, I think it's the toy is just the aerial bots. Everybody was just crazy about them. But uh, before I get into that, I need to mention our sponsor, 80stees.com, because you shouldn't be walking around shirtless. Um, I've, uh, <laughs> you shouldn't. I will. <laughs> what about podcasting shirtless? Well, pantsless, I understand, because uh, I should be comfortable, and you guys should too. But shirtless, eh, that's not so good. Um, but uh, I- I've kind of been a little behind on the internets lately, and uh, I something I watched last week was... Uh, the uh, Captain America Winter Soldier trailer finally, and uh, I don't know what you guys think about about Captain America. I've got I've got some either people that just hate the character and hate the movies and just and think it's pretty decent, a uh, decent character with decent movies. Um, but you know, I decided to see what kind of uh, stuff I could find on eightiestees.com this week for for Captain America, and holy shit, they've got a metal shield for Captain America. How pimp would that be to walk into the movie theater sporting that beast? Wow. I think that's awesome as hell. They've I bet you'd get walked right out again. Yeah, I probably would. <laughs> they wouldn't want me throwing it around the movie theater. No. But uh that looks got, awesome. They've got a ton of Captain America merchandise. They've got all kinds of uh hats and hoodies and uh it's really actually a really cool Captain America hoodie. Um and boots and just all kinds of stuff for you and your lady friends. Um, so yeah, uh, 80stees.com. Check them out. They support us, and you can support us by supporting them. Yeah, I, li- I like that costume hoodie, Captain America yeah, costume hoodie. Yeah, that was really cool. They have a, a shirt for you, Yoshi, for your, um, you know, to wear on Valentine's Day. Oh, is that what you sent? Uh, yeah. Let me see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Quagmire, it says, cool story, babe. Now make me a sandwich. <laughs> that fits. Even the model on the site's got a beard like me. Giggity, giggity. giggity, giggity, giggity. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kids, let's do this. Transformers issue 21. Aerial bots over America. I like this cover. This cover is awesome. You've got... Uh, uh, the Decepticon. What do they call these guys? They're not. They're not. Um, Colloquially, they're known as the Cone Heads. There you go. That's what I was looking for. So we've got uh, Dirge and um, uh, God. I'm a Thrust. horrible fan. Uh, Thrust and uh, Ramjet. Uh, and they. Uh, I th- I think Thrust is on the end, right? It's Ramjet, Dirge, and Thrust. I wasn't doing it in any particular order. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they appear to be standing um, on a dam, we're going to say. Uh, you've got a white background with the aerial bots flying in, and they're just shooting every which way. Everybody's shooting at each other. And uh, the people beneath uh, the cone heads are uh, panicked, obviously. Um, no yellow to be seen, and I love that. Uh, not a big fan of yellow. So uh, we open up our... our our issue to a full page. Uh, the first page is a full page panel. Uh, and we are introduced to Ricky Vasquez who has been called into work. And, uh, 
in in the foreground in a tree there we've got one of the insecticons uh kind of scoping out the situation it's uh, it's bombshell isn't it we'll go with bombshell yes that's bombshell <laughs> sorry i was on mute <laughs> so uh so bombshell's watching uh as as ricky's getting ready to leave uh he's uh he's saying goodbye to his wife and his kid and ricky's kid is really concerned because she doesn't want to miss 4th of july the 4th of july fireworks and because her dad has to move, go to work, she's worried that uh, they're going to miss the fireworks. And her dad promises her that, you know, it's going to be all right. We're, I'm just going to run in and I'm going to take care of this. While this conversation's going on, Bombshell kind of uh, flies by and implants something in the back of uh, Ricky's neck. And uh, there's a couple panels there where you can see that uh, whatever he implanted is kind of burrowing itself uh deep within within ricky and uh, eventually uh bombshell is able to control R ricky with this and this device he implanted was called a uh a cerebro shell yes uh was called a cerebro shell so uh with with control of ricky uh they drive uh to megatron and <clears throat> megatron uh needs uh needs Ricky because Ricky is has been working uh at Hoover Dam as uh an engineer. He's a, a hydroelectric engineer and he's an employee that can get in and out of the dam really easily. And Megatron's grandmaster plan here is to harness uh the energy that the dam generates and send it to Cybertron. Um so uh, essentially Megatron transforms into a gun that uh Ricky just casually places on the car seat in his vehicle and they, they drive to the dam. Um, and, uh, Ricky's able to, uh, get past security and at gunpoint orders the people uh, that are working at the dam that day to shut it off. You notice how he just walks by security holding the pistol in his hand? Well, he's holding it uh, on the side that security can't see is the way I'm looking at oh. it. But it is, uh, that whole, that whole bit's kind of comical the way he's just got it laying on his, on his passenger seat and then just walks in like that. You know, so far, Charles, I'm really digging the art, especially on that first page. And it's it's it definitely feels like a cartoon episode too, which is great. What what do you think? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I mean, it's it's definitely a kind of human heavy, and the humans are are really drawn very well. And then when we get to the Decepticons, I like uh, Megatron and uh, the Insecticons are are pretty well drawn. I think uh, yeah. So Don Perlin as the penciler, and then we have. Uh, Ian Aiken and Brian Garvey as the inkers, they've been doing like the last few issues. So I think they're, they're getting into a groove where they, they've kind of established a look for the comic. So it, it keeps improving. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a good one. Um, so the story cuts, uh, cuts back to the arc. Optimus prime is having some maintenance work done, uh, and, uh, skids and robot master, um, Donnie Finkelberg arrive. And, Donnie's saying, hey, you know, the bridge appeared and uh, you've got some Autobot guys that are stranded out there. Optimus Prime sends out uh, Donnie and Jetfire to to investigate Donnie's uh, claims. Donnie doesn't really want to go along, but Optimus Prime and, and Jetfire are kind of having him go so that uh, just as insurance, more or less, that uh, they're not being led into a trap. Um, shortly after that, the Autobots observe that there is an attack going on at the dam. Um, and uh, Optimus Prime 
decides to send out Wheeljack's latest cre- uh, creations, the uh, the aerial bots, which are a result of the plans that Bumblebee stole uh, two issues ago in issue 19. Uh, these are the first Autobot combiners. And so the aerial bots are uh, uh, Slingshot, uh, Firelight, Silverbolt, uh, Air Raid, and Skydive. And uh, Silverbolt is the leader yeah, Silverbolt's the leader, and he's the only one whose uh, personality and moral compass have actually been fully programmed. The others are just kind of, point me in this direction and we'll go at this point. <clears throat> uh, so they uh, they all take off and head towards the dam. And let me check in with you, Jeremy, before we go any further. What it, how, are you, uh, how are you enjoying the story so far? I'm liking it. Like, like you said, it's kind of like a, an episode of a TV show. There is one episode oh. of the TV show, too, that takes place at a dam, if I remember correctly. It seems to be a common theme. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the artwork, particularly like that second row of panels where the aerobots were first introduced. Yeah. That's probably some of the best artwork in the um, in the book so far. Yeah, it's really good. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. Cool. Uh, so at Hoover Dam, uh, the, uh, the space bridge reappears. And three uh, three Decepticons come off the space bridge. You've got Ramjet, Dirge, and Thrust. And these guys are kind of the welcoming uh, committee to a, uh, a a drill that appears on on the uh, on the space bridge and just starts uh, uh, working its way through the dam. This uh, this drill is going to harness the the energy that the dam produces and send it right to Cybertron through the through the space bridge. And the the people on the dam and that are the tourists that are around looking are just are just completely in shock at what's going on here. The story then cuts back to uh, Donnie and Jetfire that uh, reach the location that Donnie says the uh, the Autobots appeared on the space bridge, but the the Autobots aren't anywhere to be seen. But it looks like Donnie and uh, Jetfire stumble across across a possible clue which is basically some transformer fuel that was leaked onto the ground. Um, and uh, Jetfire, and, uh, Jetfire uh, decides that they might be able to track this and find them. Then the story cuts back to the dam. Uh, the drill is uh, kind of anchored itself uh, into the side of the dam, and it's starting to spin up here. Uh, the people are still looking in horror as the, uh, the aerobots arrive, and... They start taking pop shots at this drill, and the uh, the Decepticons, <clears throat> the three Decepticon uh, aerial Decepticons, start uh, attacking back. There's a little bit here where uh, shoot, I keep forgetting the names. Uh, Silverbolt has to ring his guys together to not fire or endanger the humans, not fire on the humans or endanger them. Again, they're they're just kind of like lifeless shells. They're just going along with it, and he's kind of having to keep them together. We, we we do a quick cut to inside the dam where uh, between what everything Megatron is saying and the Insecticons are saying that it's you're starting to get the sense that uh, Ricky Vasquez is is trying to break the hold of the Cerebro shell that's inside of him. He, he basically doesn't like what he's seeing or hearing that's going on outside. The, the battle outside is pretty intense between the Autobots and the Decepticons. Eventually, uh, the, Ari- the aerial bots form Superion, which is, again, uh, a challenge for uh, Silverbolt, as he has to kind of be the moral compass for all of these combined robots to work together. 
but Superion is able to rip uh, the drill away from the dam. And uh, as he's doing that, he sees um, Ricky on top of the dam with uh, Megatron in his hand as a gun. And he reaches up to try and stop him. But Ricky's kid uh, comes to the dam, uh, runs up to him. And this seems to be the point where Ricky's actually able to, sh- to shake the hold that the Cerebro shell has on him. And, and Superion is trying to, to grab Ricky still, and Silverbolt's fighting with him, like, no, this is a human, we can't do it, you know, knock it off, guys. Uh, they eventually, he eventually, they untransform as Superion and back into their aerial forms. And uh, there's a scene here where Ricky's really fighting the hold of the Cerebro shell. Uh, to not fire on uh, the aerial bots. Uh, instead, he's actually able to fire down on the space bridge and send it back to um, Cybertron. And Megatron realizes that the gig is up and he just rips himself out of Ricky's hand and flies off in a gun mode <laughs> with the Insecticons. And then uh, Ricky gets reunited with his family here at the end on the top of the dam. And uh, the security there grabs him and basically says, you know, you got some, uh, you got some explaining to do. And his, uh, Ricky's happy because he just gets to be with his daughter. And uh, he's worried about uh, the whole 4th of July thing because he doesn't want to disappoint his daughter. But his daughter says, you know, with all that happened today, I, I, had, I saw plenty of fireworks today, Daddy. And then finally, we, uh, we cut to the last uh, three panels, uh, two of them on the second to last page where we're at um, the RAT headquarters, and RAT stands for uh, Rabid Anti-Robot Assault Team. And uh, we, we cut to a quick scene of them uh, dismantling one of the Autobots. And the last page, like the first page, is a full panel. And we've got Circuit Breaker here commanding all of the RAT troops with all of the Autobots that came uh, across the Space Bridge in Issue 19, all of their heads are mounted on the walls like trophies, on one wall mounted like a trophy. And uh, it says, Next issue, Stunticons have arrived, Aerial Bots return, and Circuit Breaker strikes. I didn't see this coming when I read this the first time. It was kind of like a <gasps> moment for me. <laughs> um, what? Uh, how do you feel, Charles? What did you think of the whole issue? Uh, I enjoyed it. It felt... Um... It felt very much like kind of a classic comic, you know, with all the, there's so many panels of narration Uh and, you know, that's, that's really a a comic book storytelling technique that has kind of fallen out of favor with modern comics. You don't get a lot of, you know, narration bubbles anymore. And it, you know, very much the story is told, a lot of the story is told through that. So it gave, it gave me a feeling like you're, you've got the classic, uh, a very classic uh, comic book storytelling. And then at the end with Circuit Breaker, how, you know, her dialogue is very much like, you know, the classic uh, um, comic book villain, you know, so swears Circuit Breaker. Right, right, right. <laughs> I just thought that was that was funny. It was fun. I remember the first couple of issues being really heavily narrated and it then just being a struggle to read through, uh, at least for me. But mm-hmm. this was this was good. I, I really did enjoy it. Did you, Did you have something else? Uh, just in general, uh, it was interesting because, you know, in the cartoon, the Insecticons were just giant insects. And here they, in addition to, you know, looking like insects, they are the size of insects, which was, you know, just very different from the cartoon. Mass shifting, I think is what they call that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, and it was cool. I liked seeing them that small. That was new to me, too. 
and they and they still they retain their strength from their robot mode too. Like the little tiny uh, grasshopper is kicking the giant aerial bot. Yeah, <laughs> and the aerial bot's like, "Ow!" What the hell, man? <laughs> Jeremy, did you have any closing thoughts? Well, like you, when I first read it and I got to the last couple pages, I was just like, you know, I, I was kind of shocked at first seeing that. You you also forgot in that thing about the next issue, all this and Donnie Finkelberg. Too. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I thought it, it was a good book and, you know, a really effective setup for the next book. Heck yeah. No, this would make me excited if I were in the 80s and I could pick this up off the shelf and yeah. read it. I'd be I, dying I, for the next I, one. I think that they were really starting to hit their stride at this point. Yeah. What about you, Daryl? You got any thoughts? Uh, nope. Fantastic. <laughs> I, I, it's a fun book. Uh, I, any book that, uh, like that, that, uh, included combiners or combining teams, I, I always loved. And, you know, I didn't really get too much into the stories. Um, especially when I was younger. I just, I just loved the, uh, the stories with the combiners. Right. Totally get that. And, and like I said, you know, this was one of the, this, this one's got so many hits on my site and it's, I, I just, I, I never would have guessed it. I'm 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 so uh surprised that this is a favorite issue or or popular <laughs> characters however you want to look at it. Cuz I you know it's not they're not the aerial bots at least as far as I've written written read aren't aren't really involved in a whole lot of the issues. Yeah, it's it's really this one and the next one is all they they yeah. get pretty much. Here's the toy to buy this month. <laughs> Uh, just a couple of uh, small things I noticed since, since this takes place at Hoover Dam, like on page four, like that last panel of Hoover Dam, that shot is very close to uh, one of the shots in the 2007 Transformers movie. Because you have in in that movie, a lot of the stuff takes place at Hoover Dam. Yeah. Because they, they, they have like the secret facility there. What a weird place to put a secret facility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was funny that Megatron, like, can't you know he, you have the line where megatron's like cuban pull my trigger pull my trigger <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay megatron do it i can see do it <laughs> which uh, it's funny because you know uh, back in issue 13 when he was uh that gun for joey slick Joey had to ask Megatron to to shoot everything for him. Right. So it looks like Megatron has had a downgrade or something <laughs> where he can't fire he can't fire on his own for some reason. It's a fun ride. It's a fun <laughs> ride. I I also like how Megatron is so distraught that the human broke his control. He's like, you know, how could a measly human, a measly fleshling break the you break the mind control that we had on him and he's he's so uh, you know, in disbelief of that. He's probably going to beat Bombshell extra hard tonight. <laughs> oh, we we mentioned we forgot to mention one thing that Bombshell hooks hitches a ride on the aerial bots back to the Autobots oh, base. Oh shoot, thank you. That, thank you. You're right. Yeah, that that figures in big in the next it issue. Does. I blew right past that too. I'm such a horrible reviewer. <laughs> I'm fired. Next week you'll meet your new classic host, so and so. You think John Paul Bove's free? <laughs> ah, already replaced. Episode's not even over. That's how we work here at Transmissions. Fast. 
All right, and I think I've forgotten to mention it a couple of times, but please check out Yoshi's blog. He's already mentioned how this is one of the most, uh, gotten the most traffic on his yeah. site, and uh, please check out his other reviews. Oh, yeah, and uh, there's one uh, thing John Paul Bouvet wanted us to mention, and that is... Hold it together, man. Gooseberry Jam. <laughs> we need to redo this whole review so, now. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe uh, uh, Ricky's wife packed in some gooseberry jam w- for his lunch when he went to the Maybe dam. that's why we couldn't pull the trigger on Megatron, because he was jammed with jam, gooseberry jam. That stuff gets hard, man. <laughs> stuff gets real hard. That's what she said. <laughs> I'll set him up, Charles. You knock him the hell down. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to move on to TV show news. Uh, we just have a couple of small bits this week. First, uh, we had some sad news that one of the voice actors for the Beast Wars series has passed away. And this was Campbell Lane, and he was the voice of Rampage, uh, also known as Protoform X in the Beast Wars series, one of the uh, evil Predacons. So uh, condolences to his uh, friends and family on there. And uh, it's a... Interesting coincidence because uh, this year we have a Rampage figure coming out as the club, uh, uh, the club exclusive uh, toy. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that it's not too late in the process where they could add like some kind of you know memorial comment on, on like the packaging or something. That might be a nice little touch. Yeah. All right, and uh, just one other uh, bit of news uh, that's a little bit happier, I guess, depending on whether or not you like uh, Transformers Armada or Energon. Uh, Shout Factory has uh, released the covers for those DVD releases, and uh, we also have dates for when those are coming out. So the Transformers Armada DVDs will be out March 11th, and the Energon DVDs will be out on May 6th. So uh, you can get the complete series for both of those. Um, I probably won't be picking it up, but what what do you guys think? I'm not getting them either. I would be interested to find out the thoughts of someone who who had like who their first interaction with transformers was these series. Cause it'd be interested, interesting to see how their perspective is versus ours. Those people are in high school still. (laughs) (laughs) They have the internet. It's true. I'm going to be passing on these. I am not a fan of the animation style of these, these series. I I can't watch more than one episode at a, like at any given month. It's just it just it's too jarring for me. So yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big fan at all. Yeah, in general, I I think I just prefer Western animation storytelling to the anima anime storytelling style. It's just you know not my favorite. Yeah, and and these also particularly like Energon has a lot of like CGI mixed in, and it just I wasn't a fan of that either. I lasted through most of our Armada, but that I didn't really watch Energon at all. Yeah, but uh, I'm sure there are fans out there who will enjoy these. So if you if you want to get them, they'll they'll be out soon. So be sure to pick them up. All right, so uh, we're going to move on to our trips to the store. And so since we have a guest here, we're going to let him go first. So Christian, uh, have you picked up any? cool Transformers-related merchandise uh, recently? I picked up a couple. Um, <clears throat> recently, I picked up the uh, the IDW Goldbug figure. Um, right on. I can't say I'm terribly impressed with it. <laughs> um, 
not not a big fan of it. I, I picked it up in order to, you know, for a, a custom that somebody had commissioned of me. But if, if it wasn't for that, I don't think I would pick it up. Um, <clears throat> other than that, I've been picking up a couple of the Constructbots figures. Um, they're one of those things like when they first announced them last year, you know, everyone's like, ah, oh, well, I don't know. Yeah, they're cool. I don't know if they're cool. And, uh, I, I looked at them and was like, oh, you know, I'll get like one or two of them to try them out. I like Bionicles. This is like Transformer Bionicles. So I'll, I'll try them out. And, uh, I, I keep saying like, oh, well, yeah, okay, they're cool. I'll try them out. And I don't know. I keep collecting more and more of them. <laughs> <laughs> so like I'll go to the Target or something. It's like, oh yeah, I don't have that one. I'll pick that one up. <laughs> so now I'm, I've got to devote a shelf to them now. So. That's cool. You you like them, eh? I guess uh, apparently I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you guys picked up any of the construct bots? Uh, I haven't. No. I, I imagine haven't. your seven year old would probably enjoy them. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll I'll ask him if he's interested. I have... Well, the uh, the smallest size they have are the Scout class ones. Those are only like ten bucks. Okay. So and. Uh, like all of mine, I've reconfigured, so they don't, they no longer transform, you know, like how they're supposed to or at all, but they look better in bot mode, which is really more important in displaying them on a shelf anyway, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I myself, I, I have a friend who's really, really into them and, and likes them a lot. Um, and I, I have not been able to, to bring myself to get any, um, but uh, it's weird because I, I, I like the Creo Creons, but uh, I have not gotten into the, the Construct Bots. It's just, it's too bubbly for me, I think. It is. It is, definitely. The, the faces are a lot more cartoony. Yeah. Um, I have yet to buy a Megatron because I really don't like his face. <laughs> he looks like the Joker. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I picked up the uh, the Target-exclusive uh, Predaking. Okay. Um I also got the uh, the Soundwave, the uh, Starscream, the what else did I get? Cliffjumper, the Battle Mask Bumblebee, and um, oh, what's his name again? Um, Thunder Crap. <laughs> um, well, one of the other guys. And um, I don't know. It was kind of fun being able to like mix and match. Um, like I didn't like the fact that Soundwave had a yellow endoskeleton, so I gave him gave that to Bumblebee. Yeah, you know, swapped them out until I had color combinations that I liked better, and unfortunately, that also led me to buy certain ones because, like, so and so has a, this color in those games. That would look really better on this guy, so I better buy that one. <laughs> That's how they get you. It is. <laughs> so, right on. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, I haven't been doing a whole lot of um, Transformers person. It's been really, really dry around me. Uh, like a lot of the stores are like still carrying, you know. Beast Wars, or not Beast Wars, God, um, Beast Hunter stuff. You know, that would be, that would be really dry. Yeah, right. <laughs> God, it's like nothing but tarantulas here. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like all all the Beast Hunter stuff. Like every store that I go to, like that's all they have. And then a couple of the Construct Bots guys. Like, uh, what I, I really want to see if I can find that Skids and that Swerve and that um, Cosmos, but nowhere around me's in to have them everybody's looking for this the swerve in the cosmos yeah yeah, yeah. <sighs> so i can keep going <laughs> post christmas woes indeed first world problem <laughs> yeah <laughs> right on so i guess that's it for me all right thanks um, well i'm not counting my the prototypes i've gotten but we talked about those already <laughs> <laughs> well those, those are for f- our our future trips to the store when we buy them from shapeways <laughs> All right, thanks, and uh, we'll continue on 
with the rest of the stuff we got in our YouTube segment. So we've been trying out to with a little video so that you can actually see the stuff we got. So we will put the audio in here and you can also check it out uh, with the links in our show notes and watch our watch the video and see everything we got in person. <laughs> so daryl why don't you start us off what did you get this week yeah hey i uh didn't do too much this week uh kind of a slow week but i did uh like always visit my local comic book store and i picked up more than meets the eye number 26 uh, i got the ri cover and uh that's the alex milne with uh windblade uh chromia and nautica so yeah it's a really cool cover i was really happy to get it uh, I had to fight somebody off for this one, so it was uh, popular. People were people were very much aware that it was coming out. I also went to Walmart, and I got something I wasn't planning on getting, uh, Beast Hunters Deluxe Skystalker. And uh, it's, it's not overly something that was really interesting, but uh, Walmart was blowing out their, uh, their Beast Hunters figures. This was $5, so I, I just, you know, yeah, I just... I, I was like, I got $5, and I don't have this mold, so yeah, what the hell. So I probably may not even ever open it, but uh, $5. So, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. All right. Uh, Jeremy, what did you pick up this week? I got nothing but a lot of snow. <laughs> God damn it, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> I blame, I blame Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> He sent all the snow down from Canada to Pittsburgh, and yeah. <laughs> that's. <laughs> Although my next door neighbor got a snowblower and allowed, um, you know, we're we're basically both swapping off using it, and my back is very happy. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, the snowblower doesn't transform into a robot, does it? No, but <laughs> but it works, and I'm happy. <laughs> got two settings: blow and suck. Right. Right. <laughs> Nice. All right, Yoshi, uh, how are you doing up in the, I I would say the frozen north, but it's not so frozen right now, is it? You know, I'm hearing on the news and stuff that they're telling people if they want to go somewhere warm, they should be coming to Alaska because it's, there's just, we don't have snow here. I, I don't know what's going on. My brother works at the, the ski lodge and they just, they've been running the snow machines constantly because there's just nothing. Yeah. So this week... Uh, cool. I ordered some gooseberry jam. I feel like I've said this before, like deja vu or something. <laughs> Do you guys feel like like I'm having a Matrix moment here? But uh, uh, anyway, a yeah. little bit of deja vu. Yeah, I'm sure Canada's responsible at some point. They certainly almost are. like we recorded this already. <laughs> I'm fairly certain we did not record this before. <laughs> so, so this week uh, from eBay, I got a Transformers annual. And since I know we've done this before, I have learned that this is from the UK. <laughs> and uh, I know from looking inside of it, uh, it was signed by James Eric. So uh, most of the work has been done for me. <laughs> um, but I was looking at the cover here while we were talking, and I can see that somebody wrote on it really hard. And it says, To Stephen, lots of love from Mum and Dad. So this has had two you owners from mum from mum and dad. Assuming that yeah, this was gifted, this has been owned by two people. 
Well, if it says from mum, then you know it's a legit UK thing. Yeah, it's definitely mum. That's kind of cool. And then there's a, a triple X at the bottom. So I don't know what kind of relationship the mom had with her son, <laughs> but yeah. Um, there's some uh, there's some uh, really cool looking G1 box art on the inside, and there are some issues from the uh, UK version of the comic inside. And something I'm really excited about is there appears to be an actual legitimate written story, uh, two separate stories on the inside with a little bit of artwork to accompany it. And I'm not going to bother going through the rest of it because I feel like you guys already know. (laughs) So I'm going to pass it off to you, Sir Charles. What do you got? All right, so uh, I also got to my local comic book store this week and I was able to pick up more than meets the eye, number 26, the retailer incentive cover with Windblade, Chromia, and Nautica on there. So I uh, was able to get in contact with uh, my comic book store ahead of time and have them put this aside for me. I was very happy to get it. This is one re- retailer incentive I didn't want to miss. I love Alex Milne's art together with Josh Perez. And I was so excited that I tweeted out uh, about this. I tweeted a picture of the cover. And got a lot of retweets, and actually Alex Milne himself said, hey, when when do I get to come on your show? So, Alex Milne, if you're watching this, you have an open invitation. Whenever you want to come on Transmissions, we are happy to have you. And in addition to that, I also got the Casey Collar cover of More Than Meets the Eye number 26. Or uh, Casey, you are also uh, welcome to come on the show anytime you want. And uh, so... Those are the two things I picked up at the comic book store uh, this week. Uh, but I also wanted to show you a couple of things that uh, I've been getting. Uh, I just dug back into some boxes that I had here. I was looking for some Transformer stuff. And while I didn't find what I was looking for, I did find a bunch of things that uh, I hadn't seen in a while. So one thing that I found was my G1 cup. So this is the cup that I got for Christmas in 1986. Uh, he's still in pretty good condition, although he is missing one of his wheels. Uh, but that's okay. When I transform him into robot mode, you won't even notice that. So That is so cool. Uh, yeah. And quickly, uh, and you know, th- th- these are the 80s engineering, so it's very uh, quick transformation here. I'm jealous yeah. with nostalgic rage. <laughs> and yeah, you can see uh, that's Cup. Uh, he's missing his gun, so I don't know where his gun is. This is the uh, original Cup release, so this was before he became a Target Master. So uh, he, you can also see, I, I don't know if you can see it on the video, but he's got wrinkles under his eyes, so he is a very old guy. <laughs> uh, in addition to Cup, I also found a few other Transformers. So uh, in the early 2000s, when Transformers Armada came out, I wasn't really big into getting the toys, but I did like the Minicons because they reminded me of MicroMasters. So I did pick up a few Minicon sets, and I found those. So I have the um, Air Defense Minicons, and that's these guys right here. And these are three three jets that also turn into robots, and then they combine to form the Star Saber. Uh, I also had the Minicon Space Team. Uh, which uh, they combine to form the Requiem Blaster. So these are all things that the bigger Transformers could hold, weapons the bigger Transformers could hold. And I also had the Street Action Team. So these were the three Minicons that were 
the partners of the human kids in Transformers Armada, and these guys could combine to form a robot named Perceptor, but not the Perceptor we know from G1. But uh, these are all, you know, really nice little toys. So they're good to play with, have sitting on your desk. I think that's why they were in a box, because they were in a... They were on my desk at my old office, and then when I moved to my new office, I never took them out of the box, so that's why I had them and hadn't seen them in a while. That's awesome. Okay, so in addition to uh, Cup and the Minicons, I also found a Target 2006 trade paperback that I had picked up from Titan Books in the early 2000s, a reprint. This is the story written by Simon Furman. This was one of the major UK story arcs that... Uh, those guys got, but we never saw in the U.S. until much later. So this is uh, told a time travel story of how Galvatron, Scourge, and Cyclonus traveled back to the 80s and were trying to, you know, take over back in the 80s and secure their future uh, for when Unicron was coming. So it was a really cool story. It also uh, introduced the Wreckers to the Transformers uh, universe. So this is a very important uh, uh, story in Transformers history. And I'm glad that I was able to dig it up again. So, mm-hmm. so that's all uh, I got. So those are those. That's my trips to the vault, or you know, old boxes I had in addition to the comics I picked up this week. That's awesome. So that's all for our trips to the store this week. So uh, that'll wrap up uh, this episode of Transmissions, and we want to thank uh, Christian for coming on the show and uh, talking to us about uh, the work he's doing with. Uh, designing third-party figures so thanks again for uh, joining us thank you very much for having me on i greatly enjoyed our time yeah thanks and uh, definitely check out the stuff he's doing and we'll have links in the show notes you can uh, find his store on shapeways and also uh, a link to his facebook page so if you're interested in uh, in following his figures definitely check those out buy everything he makes (laughs) (laughs) yes do it All right. So, uh, and, uh, before I forget, please, uh, if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to, uh, give us some likes and good reviews on, uh, Facebook and iTunes and Stitcher. So please, uh, help us raise our social media, uh, visibility by, uh, you know, definitely helping us out there. We'll ha- we have links in the show notes to all those places. So, you know, like our Facebook page. Uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes and on Stitcher and uh, help us out there. Only if you like the show. If you don't like the show, you don't have to do it. But then why are you listening anyway? Why have you gotten to this point in the podcast? <laughs> right. <laughs> the punishment. Yes. So uh, with that, uh, we'll say goodbye. So thanks and bye-bye. Adios. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for picking up our transmission. Give us feedback on our website at www.transmissionspodcast.com where you can find all of our contact info on social media and links to all of our show notes discussed in each episode. You can also email us directly at feedback at transmissionspodcast.com.